0: a pilot and a podcast. I wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing Boz Scaggs. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems, that way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah, I wish I was a comedian, late night sitcom syndicated on TV Land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help is like, it's like. I wish, I wish. That every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. That every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. That every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels... Wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lime bead. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs. Yeah, that way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things.
1: <laughs> I, I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? This is my jam. You know, I picked this song kind of randomly, and it has truly just become my fave. I got to say, I hope everyone is doing well today. Cats, kittens, t- teenage felines of <laughs> indeterminate age. Um, it was a big news day today. It was a big news day today. We had both the Twitter Files hearings and we had the uh, CEO of Norfolk Southern testifying before Congress as well. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. We had quite an insane show from the likes of Debbie Wasserman Schultz and some other Democrats who seemed to be just so deeply triggered by the existence of Matt Taibbi. Uh, it was difficult to watch. We, it was happening while we were recording at Rising today, and so I didn't get to watch it the whole way through, but we covered several of the clips in the show. And it was, it was <laughs> pretty galling. And then over on the um, Norfolk Southern side of things, which also obviously do- dovetails with the topic of today's interview with David Sirota, it seems uh, it was really difficult to watch the CEO dodge the question about whether he was willing to pay for the health care of people victimized by the train derailment. The answer was no. Hearing him prevaricate uh, about how uh, he was not with, he, he would not commit to not spending more money on stock buybacks before the safety issues were fixed, he would not. He claimed to have a when he was asked by Bernie about. Um, getting seven days sick leave he said well i'm also deeply concerned about the interests of workers which is uh laughable i saw ross grutens um dragging him for that on twitter today i mean just really no scruples whatsoever it seems uh in the congressional world uh today although interestingly the the bad faith was on the the Senate side, the congressional side in the Taibi case and on the, you know witness side in the uh, Norfolk Southern case, but still a lot of a lot of wild stuff to watch. Obviously, I appreciated having David on because no one has done uh, the level of coverage he has and everything I basically know about what's gone on there is because of the deep reporting they've done over at the lever, for which I'm incredibly appreciative. And I think that he's really right when he points to the pressure that, you know, he and others, but you know, really him has put on Pete to is as why we've gotten any kind of action at all. But I do have this concern that he echoed in the podcast, which is that the issues are being narrowly, the issues being narrowly uh, confined to just the, um, the brake issues. I'm oh, not the brake issue rather, but the, the um, wheel bearing being on fire. So, I can very clearly see, even in the days since I recorded with David, more and more indications that people are saying, well, if we just put the heat sensors on the tracks, then we'll have done our due diligence here. And they really want to get out of having a conversation about precision railroading, a conversation about the staffing issues, a conversation about the days off, a conversation about implementing the brake systems, a conversation about designating chemicals as hazardous materials that are subject to certain safety measures like going traveling at lower speeds fortified rail cars and all the other things the industry has been lobbying so hard not to have to implement so we have to keep our eyes peeled for that because Democrats and Republicans have kind of backed themselves into a corner everyone's trying to get glory off of being the savior of East Palestine but their donor bases haven't changed their incentives haven't changed and the same and the reasons That the Obama administration and then the Trump administration and the Biden administration have thrown rail workers in the communities near railroads under the bus haven't gone away. So we got to stay vigilant. But you know what? That's enough of me prattling on. Let's hear what you guys have to say about this crazy news day. Jam, what's in your mind tonight?
2: What's up, Brady? Can you hear me? Loud and clear awesome yeah this has been uh, this uh, has been like a, a wild week uh for news and everything but um was pretty pretty much been on my mind uh about everything It's just trying to figure out uh more of a, like a political ideology like question like what do what do i think like the role of like government is for us because i feel like i feel like we um I feel like that's a question I don't think we ask ourselves like enough. I not think most people uh, that's on our like side of like, the political aisle really just think about it like as pr- providing like certain services, you know, like universal, like universal um, services. But I really want to try to like get down thinking about like um, where to really like pin down with, with the actual, what do we want government to do? And what is it doing now? And how do we get it to, act, to do more of what we you know, like what we want we wanted to do and that's and figuring out the roles of government seems like to be the bigger the biggest um dispute between uh between like you and robbie like you know like per se yeah
1: i mean you know robbie's libertarian <laughs> what it is um but what's so interesting i don't know what's so interesting about some of the conversations we've been having is that you know he's not wrong when he says you know government isn't working mm-hmm. but it seems obvious to me that the goal is to get it to work or to find some other way of organizing society where there's an, 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 a non a profit driven responsive responsive-to-the-people institution that can fight for its interests, because absent the government, you're left with laissez-faire capitalism. And, and, and so much of what we're describing is harms that are coming at the hands of corporations. That the mm. government is either enabling, property, profiting from, or just indifferent to. And the reason that the government isn't working is because the same corporations are basically running the government. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, yes, Robbie, the government doesn't work. But ask <laughs> yourself why and what 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 is your solution in lieu of the government? And if you think it's really bad that corporations have taken over the government, why do you think it will be better if corporations don't even have exactly. the slightest bit of resistance from something called the government?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit easier. Like when I talk to people like libertarians and stuff about it, like it's easier, like to pin, to pin, like that, that difference down. Like, yeah, but you don't want like the corporations just to run everything because it's easier for them to figure, like to figure that out because like more so working class. So they can, they understand like how the jobs be like fucking them over and making dumb, like decisions and everything. So it's easier, yeah. you know, for them to make that type of connection. I don't want just, um, you know, corporations to have you no know, complete, uh, complete power and everything, but, um, but I guess it would definitely be like harder when you're talking to people that has like a like an upper class like job, to say like uh, like, you, like you and Robbie um have, yeah, but even no, like there's no oh, there's
1: not even worth trying half the time. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a waste of <laughs> breath.
2: Yeah, well, I'm thinking about like in like no, asking like the role of government. Like, is like does government has does government has the um. Like is the role of like what role of government has to like for creating like incentives like in a market or do we just leave like the market to create incentives okay. like for itself, you know, like thinking, like thinking, thinking of it like in that way. And, and, and do we, and like, say, if we we're trying to like, create a more so like socialist, uh socialist system, how do we, how do we push for uh, innovation within our markets within like having like a social, uh, within having a socialist system? Cause mainly like we, um, within, within like the socialist system, we just have um, like the workers like own, like on the corporations and everything. But how do we prevent like just the workers from doing like the same thing as, um, from doing much of the same thing as, um, was, like shareholders is doing, like, instead of investing in innovation and everything, instead of just like making sure they keep getting like a bigger cut of everything, you know?
1: Well, for one, I'd say if workers choose to give themselves a bigger cut by paying themselves higher salaries that's not the same harm as a shareholder paying the, oh, agree. the board, paying the shareholders more. Agreed. I mean, the people who are doing the work get more money. Yeah.
2: yeah I'm not, not if, arguing if the com-
1: right. I mean, the, the built-in backstop against it is: well. At a certain point, the company might become less like not viable and would
3: <laughs> fail and
1: go out of business. And that would hurt the workers. So the workers have every incentive, much more incentive, than shareholders to actually keep the company viable. What happens with the shareholders is they are concerned so much about short-term profit that they're mm-hmm. willing to suck a company dry, have it die so that they can take the money and run. So the, the part of, I, I don't actually think that innovation is at all a problem with sh- with worker ownership. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You're seeing a lack of investment in the company, a lack of investment in the people in the company, lack of investment in uh, the resources, the technology, et cetera. Because it's not about I mean it's not about that if you're a financial profiteer. Um yeah. Moreover, yeah, well,
2: yeah, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I,
1: I kind of think that um innovation. Innovation. What are the innovations that have been so um important that we can't that we would be really missing um I don't know in a, in a less, in a less free market capitalist society. I'm trying to think of the ones because the thing is so many of our healthcare innovations actually come through the public sector. Mm-hmm. We, we did a story, we interviewed a guest on rising I think today, actually, maybe it was yesterday, who um, is a writer uh, who writes for the intercept sometimes. And he, there was a story about, um, I mean, this is one of those kind of conservative leaning stories we do but the people are concerned that fauci has received kickbacks from the sale of covid related drugs right this is something mm. that it's talked about in certain corners certain parts of the the internet and it's not something unique to fauci it's a thing in the nih where they, the nih grants grants and funding and in return um, they get a piece of certain kinds of innovations that come out. And mm. people were raising this with Fauci, like, is this a conflict of interest of why he's pushing COVID medication? And I think a little bit of that is like, okay, well, I mean, this is a broader thing than just Fauci, like, don't pretend that, that like this is just like Fauci. And ultimately it's not a very big amount of money. Um, but like, it's not, it's not nothing, but you know, whatever. But there was this bigger story about how, yeah, fundamentally all of this innovation is, including the development of the COVID vaccine, was enormously funded by the government, and now these companies are turning around saying, the you know, the, the medications are no longer coming for free and we're going to hike up the prices and profit enormously. So apart from the Fauci kickback, shouldn't, we should be concerned about the fact that the government is paying for so much of the innovation. The government invents everything. The government invents Gatorade. But mm-hmm. then these companies turn around and profit. How much does Gatorade make every year and how much of a cut is the American public getting from that?
2: Yeah, like, like, to be clear, like, I'm not, like, um, just, dis- just dis- disputing, like, the fact that, you know, like, it- that it's a good thing, you know, for, like, uh, cause I'm, like, I'm for, for like, I'm definitely for, for like, corp- co-ops and everything, for, like, or, like, just straight up, um, worker ownership for, like, the workers to get, like, more, like, more, or a, s- a slice of the pot and everything. Mm-hmm. Just, I just understand in saying that, um, like, workers, workers have more of an incentive, workers have more incentive for, uh, stability. So, like, within, within that one to have, like, more, have, have, having more stake in, uh, stability that, that inherently wants you to, like, to create less risk, you know, to create, um, so you're not going to do as many, like, different things, like, uh, for growth, just because you want to keep everything, like, uh, to, to a certain level, you know, everybody, like, within, within the company, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's good and everything. And like certain like examples of like newer, like newer technologies, newer things to like push, uh, push stuff forward within like the regular, uh, what i don't say regular, within our like current, like free market, you know, way is, is um like communications, like the advancements that we have and like within like telecommunications, same thing, like uh, advancements, like cell phone technology and everything. But like that, just, just that, uh, how do we, how do we push, how do we make sure we still have a, like a system for fostering, you know, for fostering that type, that type of, like, innovation within yeah, a society. Like I'm not, if you're doing not like clearly a social why thing.
1: a worker-owned company would be less willing to invest in technology. What we saw with the Southwest debacle was a very much not worker-owned company that was unwilling to invest in new computer technology that would have avoided the whole scheduling for and yeah, like, holidays. So, what, like, what about it being worker-owned would make them less incentivized to update tech?
2: Like like I said, like for for the same reason, I think for the same reason as, and like just to be clear, I'm not arguing that the other that no, what's currently have, is being done is good. Like I'm, know, I'm just know, putting I'm that just, out there. I'm having a hard time just wrapping my brain around what, what like your concern the um, is here.
1: Like why?
2: Oh, like, just for the point of like I said, like um, it's like stability. Let's say um, we have like my like a lot of my people like like I said, like in my uh, union. Let's say we have like a um, like every time like profit sharing comes around, right. Most people, most people want like, like, um, like the union go around like surveying, like talking to people, like how will, will we come down to like negotiate for like profit sharing? Like, do, do we try to push more? Like, what do we want more like profit sharing, like more, like, um, more innovation, more like, in, uh, try to push, or we, we, we want, we want the companies to, um, invest more in like, uh, electric vehicles in, in more places. But but instead instead of saying, you know, let's do maybe like 5050 uh, or anything uh, for like uh, uh battery, new battery technology and pushing more for like electric vehicles, you know, for um, well, for like the workforce and everything. More, most people just vote for. We just want as much as much more profit, uh, profit sharing, you know, um, as possible. Now, I'm not saying again, I'm not even saying like that's necessarily bad, or, like wrong. I'm just trying to like to to, to uh, for our, um for our like society now how do we if we're going to go for like a social like a socialist society how do we push to make sure that we still have you know um, I don't innovation think we have um, to.
1: Yeah. i think a workplace that democratically decides that doesn't want to do that is it's a good outcome it's not for us to decide that they, that's the whole point of having democracy in the workplace if they don't want if if people decide that they want to not grow the company and and not take on that risk and keep their salaries or improve their salaries and send Mm -hmm. their kids to college and mind their own business, what, what is this? I'm having a hard time with this imagined benefit of innovation. Like everything doesn't have to, That that is exactly the problem. Some, some CEO says, okay, well, I don't actually care about raising profits, but it might be a cool thing to put these kiosks in the McDonald's. And now we can fire a bunch of people and it's cheaper. And it's like, as a consumer, is my life better because I'm using the con- the kiosk versus the human being at the counter? I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know what y'all McDonald's are like, but I don't really have a wait time issue with McDonald's. I don't really have a problem communicating uh, I'd like a cheeseburger happy meal. I like to get a toy. And it's also like portion <laughs> control on the
2: fries. <laughs> yeah, but all, innovation doesn't... Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but innovation you know, doesn't have like, to come out and just always... Like how, um, big companies like do it now, like in a, in a being like in a negative, like you brought up like the, um, like the example of like do we'll bringing up like kiosk and, you know, like replacing oh. like the workforce. Okay. Yeah. Within like with being within, if it's like a worker owned, if it's within a worker own system, you know, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be, you know, like the thing, but right. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't push for that, but like in a global, in a global like economy, we'll see we will still want, you know, we will still want, um, we will still want to have like, um, to push for like some certain sort of, like certain like types of, like innovations within like different sectors and say whether it be okay, but, like but, you know communication you have break, or
1: it, break, break it down a second break it down if it's actually good mm-hmm. like if it's a good if it's a useful innovation useful in terms mm-hmm. of it's gonna over the longer term increase the profits of the company in a way that can be returned back to the people to the mm-hmm. workers mm-hmm. you know that's that's the measure right then mm-hmm. why wouldn't the workers vote for it you, you i mean for, for the same workers short the workers will vote for it. i mean but for the same good then it's not good
2: i mean for the same short for the same short-sightedness as you know as uh like shareholder like because normal people would still have can still have like still have like the same um the same yeah, ideas like just, just wanted more money priorities. now but yeah like? i get it i'm not saying i'm not saying that's bad like i'm saying again like i'm not i'm not but saying i'm not saying it's, you it's you bad so i'm because trying
1: because to... you're saying you're concerned that if the people are the ones making the decision, the workers are the ones making the decision as supposed to shareholders that on some level, we're going to miss out on something. And I'm just, no,
2: I'm just trying to try to make, no, I'm like, I'm not like, for like, like, I'm not saying I'm not upset about, I like, said, say with people, like people vote, like want that way, like brought, brought up like this situation or plant, like that's well fine and dandy because everybody have another like, different, have like different, i um, like, wants and needs. I just wonder like, if, what uh, then like, if that's like being, like being the case, how would like the government then, i would think like would the government then um do ways like incentivize incentivize companies you know like the worker-led companies to still to still um like thrive for um still thrive for um, some, some certain type of uh, innovation you know so that's so that's so that's, um, well, like so that's not that's not like what? that's not like what? going against what, what like, like the companies what are for? you imagine? help me understand
1: what do you imagine mm-hmm. the government has some need for and the innovation is just not happening
0: Oh, right, now, like,
1: right now, we live in that world in full-blown, ballroom yeah. world capitalism. And the mm. government is the one that's funding pharmaceutical development. The government mm. is the one that's funding military technology. The government is the one that's funding computer technology. The government is the one doing everything already, where mm. the private sector won't innovate because there's not enough profit, right? Like, that's already what's happening. There's We have orphan drug projects because there's not enough people with certain diseases to make it profitable for pharmaceutical companies to even try to cure folks. Mm. We are like like we, we've, we subsidize agriculture in ways that are, frankly, kind of toxic, but because otherwise people wouldn't bu- grow certain kinds of crops. I mean, the government is already literally doing all of that all the time. So I'm just I'm really just struggling to figure out what is the thing, you know, what is, what is like is is there not look? Like, look, let me say this. I understand why you're asking this question, because I think it's mm. the kind of question that people ask. We have been propagandized so heavily in this country that the whole, the payoff, we all know that capitalism is slavery and horrible and wretched. We all know that we all experience that. But what we're told is, well, you know, the payoff is that we're innovative and we're America and we're running the world. And to have the successes we have, we have to have let profit run amok. And like, we just have to deal with the negative consequences, but it's all worth it. So we are like, it's very much internalized that all of this innovation, innovation is the shining promise. innovation is the coin that makes it's all worthwhile so i i understand why there's this like instinct that well if we we get rid of that we're there's going to be no innovation and we're all going to be walking around in some communist gulag wearing the same paper bag and then ugly brutalist buildings right like i understand because that's what we've been told our entire lives
3: mm.
1: but like I'm, I'm like trying to really process it and like imagine why that would ever possibly happen like what are the incentives for that, that currently exist, and how would they change if workers were simply the ones that were making these decisions instead of board members sitting around making these decisions? And it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to imagine, rather, what exactly it is that we're losing out on, given how how socialized innovation is already. You know? Yeah,
2: I'm trying to think. Yeah, I get like like you said, I get what you're. Like, it's just I'm not articulating what I'm trying like to the point that I'm trying to. Um, the point that I'm like trying to get across. Because I'm not like, because I'm not making, I'm not trying to make the argument that, I'm not trying to make the argument that like the system that we have is better, like better than, is better than, um, it's better than whether, whether having like a socialist, whether having like a socialist, um, a socialist system, or that if workers, if workers have like, if workers have that choice of power that they just all out just want, like, want whatsoever, try to push for innovation. We won't have no type of like innovation, like, uh, for the country, you know, like, uh, uh whatsoever. That's not like the, um, I don't think that's not like the point I'm trying to, like, I'm trying, the question that I'm trying to, um, trying to ask, I guess more so, in what ways would it be what ways would it be different how would it like how would how would cuz we know how the government uh, uh, works with like works with like private entities like now and how we subsidize you know um how we subsidize uh so much so much stuff and we don't really um, we don't really like it because how like the, like the how um like corporations end up taking so much for, like for, of, like the profit and I end up sharing that with like with the rest of like the country and everything like mm-hmm. the people like the creators of like, the of vaccines I just wonder how uh, how will we how would we operate differently within how would the government operate di- uh, different differently if like say was um within within the um within like um within the more so of a like socialist system um, you know how how would that how would that um uh, work out if that you know, I, 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 I
1: hear your question and I, you know, I guess i'm not sure but i don't know it's hard it's hard for me i guess i'm fundamentally just I did, to identify a problem, you know, Mm. how would it operate differently? I don't know. It has less work to do because it has to do less work to protect people from uh, corporations (laughs) because the corporations (laughs) are the people, you know, Mm. I don't know. It's easier. It's less corrupt. Mm. (laughs) I I can focus more on, you know, planting trees and cleaning up East Palestine. And, you know, like it's just hard for me to imagine Anything other than look—is some company somewhere going to have workers that are short-sighted and make bad decisions? Like anybody can make a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Anybody can, you know, poorly estimate what the demand for a product is going to be, or run into some supply chain issues, or have a bunch of locust ether crops. I mean, things happen. Businesses fail for reasons outside of people's real control, or because they just made bad decisions. But that, that happens, and it can happen with workers, and it can ha- just like it can happen with. Um, board members I mm. mean like worker ownership isn't like a ticket to perfection you,
2: yeah. Know. you know yeah that's what so I'm just trying to under- yeah. but, the, but like, but, but like yeah,
1: I, I mean what is the government doing now to make sure that private corporations don't make mistakes I mean nothing yeah. it, everyone's kind of that's just life you know mm. I don't
2: yeah. know yeah I get you that's the, that's the that's the, um, like I said that was the, the, like, the whole point trying to figure out like what would well, how would, we, like, the government, like, function, whether, like, within, within, like, uh, like, the private sector? And, you know, in, cause it's a hard, it's hard to think about, cause we think about, like, we just kind con- of, we constantly thinking about how, how everything operates now. But I'm trying to, like, get, like, get, get away from, get away from, you know, so, like, to like, in everything to how we operate now, to the more so, to how we want it, like, to operate, how, how we think it will, you know. But, uh, but, uh, I, I appreciate you with the, uh, the the back and forth
1: yeah it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting question jam and i think it it's it's helpful because we don't i don't think we talk enough a lot about you know what the world looks like in our vision in our when what we're fighting for
2: yeah like the vision isn't really like actualized like we really think a lot about we think a lot about how uh, just in relation to how things like are now like okay well we want you know, like, uh, one certain, uh, policies like, we want Medicare for all, we want, like, 15, and everything. We want this, this, like, uh, we want to move to, like, more socialist system, but it, there, there isn't, it hasn't been, like, an American, social, like, socialist society. So we need to, like, think about how we want, what's the role of everything in, within that, you know, within that society. And, yeah. You know, how, and how everything's going to function, you know, like, the way, how, like, you know, to, to our actual, like, goals and stuff, instead of yeah. just, like, just for each, you know, individual issue.
1: I hear that, Jam. I hear that. Well, look, thanks for the uh, Socratic session. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, this has been good.
2: Most man, you gotta you gotta hit me back up. We gotta hurry up and record this episode, yeah. man. I yeah. did an episode okay, sorry, with um Chris with uh Chris Brown in the chat. We did the wood. That was real fun. But <laughs> you you gotta you gotta hit me up so we can get this done.
1: Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I've just been having a bit of a week.
4: <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> All right, keep the faith.
1: Keep the faith. Um, let's go to Gator. What's on your mind, Gator?
4: Hi, Brianna. Um, yeah, I just found, uh, the whole, I've just been going through the, uh, Twitter files, um, congressional hearing today. And, yeah. um, I've found it a sad, well, it's been interesting because the method uh, displays the madness really, because the democratic, uh, questioning format is little more than an absolute sham which reveals that those people are effectively actively engaged in a pitiful form of cover-up. I mean, there were literally, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but um, there were literally multiple attempts to essentially get force Matt Taibbi to reveal sourcing, uh, amongst other things. It was, it was a shockingly bad um, session, really. Uh, have you seen it at all?
1: Um, I didn't see anything about him uh, getting him to reveal sourcing. I mean, I I saw the story earlier this week about the FTC asking him um, about who, like who had access to the information. There's like a private, they're arguing that's because there's privacy rules about these companies and what they do with people's private information. Um, But I have, I didn't see anything about that in the, in the hearings. What did I miss?
4: well, yeah, I mean, there was, I can't remember all of the names, you have to forgive me because I'm not super familiar with each of these uh, each of these people, but essentially what, what um, it's worth watching for any amount of time because um, particularly with Taibi, when he was being put in the corner, the, the Republicans literally flagged, you are literally trying to get this guy to reveal sourcing. Matt, Matt Taibi was saying, I can't answer this, you're, this is what you're trying to do. And they were trying to use stupid techniques like saying, um who 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 gave you the, these files which is a direct who's the source and he said i can't answer that and then well, he i'm said, confused
1: because i i feel like twitter files is one of those where it's not a secret source it's elon musk yeah but it's point they're principle, twitter files they're...
4: if yeah but if, if 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 in a way it is but if if musk is choosing to sort of declare that he's given access then that's in his his, prer- his prerogative but if taibi is saying well, the sourcing of all of these things and everything that's going into Twitter files is his journalistic prerogative to protect. Then that's up to him because what Taibbi and uh, Schellenberger were saying was um, Musk is not the only person involved in this. Like we're dealing with lots of different people who are helping us to process and get and access and and whatever the information from the twitter side and and that's what that's what they're primarily tr- trying to um to protect but these people were trying to get more information i mean it was just shockingly amateur night and i was just kind of feel that this is um this is the kind of example where look i'm not partisan either way particularly in the american system i believe it's a uniparty um but what you're seeing is Kind of like a bunch of a bunch of amateur criminals who have just managed to get away with a lot of crime because they're so powerful, they've got so much money and all this sort of thing. It's like real criminal largesse feeding, but they're not competent. And essentially they've failed to f- remember that if you write stuff down, then eventually and you don't burn those documents, then people eventually find the documents and sometimes they come out and back and bite you. And then once that's happened, these criminal amateurs now are resorting to open, barefaced childish nonsense to try to spin again another perceptive narrative and it's just you're looking at it thinking i'm an adult i speak english that's all all, that's all the qualifications i need to identify that you are criminally insane and and that's what i think these things show and i therefore i do recommend people can look at it you're, you're looking at the inner workings of a grossly corrupt grossly incompetent government I'm shocked by it, really. I'm not. I'm shocked at the mechanism. I'm not shocked at what that what they've been doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll uh, definitely watch it in the thirtieth and fortieth hour of this day.
4: <laughs> well, one <laughs> question I was going to ask you just about the the, the whole thing because I was listening to your interview with Taibi and obviously you've got um you've got curiosities about search terms. Is it worth Trying to drop any one of those um, guys involved with the Twitter files, or even just dropping Muskelline yourself, um, mm-hmm. with with a list of ideal search terms, and just seeing if any of them will pick up any of the stuff you're interested in, and just submit those f- submit some queries, or even if you can get involved with doing a bit of the work on those queries if they do get results back, because that might get you quickly into what you're interested in looking at.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't expect to have any um, hearing from Elon Musk. And I think the line of questioning about Barry Weiss is instructive. I think that Elon Musk doesn't countenance people who are critical of him in any way, and I, as I have been. Um, so uh, I don't anticipate ever having any access myself, but I thought it was, uh, you know, I really was heartened, enthusiastic about the idea of Aaron Maté being involved. And one, I suspect that if Aaron Mate is involved and has uh, the ability to submit searches, that he will do investigations along those lines kind of unprompted, Um, thinking about kind of like his priorities and issue areas. I would kind of expect that of him. But, you know, I'd be happy to next time I talk to him if he hasn't already listened to the episode suggest as much, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. I'm not asking anybody's priorities to be my own. I just want some transparency about what has and hasn't been searched for. You know, like I don't, I don't disagree with, um, Matt with his choice of what to investigate. I think on the whole, it's much more important to investigate the intelligence agency's coercive practices than, you know, what happened to Bernie Sanders as a single candidate. Like I don't I don't even like I don't I don't dispute his choice of prioritization in the least. The problem is that I don't know about you, but I was under the impression that like some broader searches had been done. You know, something along those lines, especially since there are these claims that are being made about how unidirectional the bias is. Which if 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 you, if you were doing broad searches and that appears to be the case, I think it's a perfectly fine. It's not perfectly fine. It is an appropriate claim that absolutely should be made. Absolutely. Like I don't, I'm not hunting for an outcome here. I I don't care if it's biased against the right. I just want to know what exists about the left. Cause I mean, that's my area of concern. Like, I mean, like obviously I'm, I'm generally concerned about the surveillance industry's actions, but like, I don't know, like it, I just want to know. And if if they don't want to do those searches, that's well within their right. Like they can have their priorities. But I mean, let me ask you this. Were you at all surprised when Matt said that he had never searched anything like Bernie, Bernie Sanders?
4: No, because like, of the context of what he was describing he was trying to do and how I imagine he would do it based on my knowledge of kind of the way you would potentially interrogate a complex database and from which direction so not necessarily because i'll give you a quick example so imagine that your perspective is that twitter isn't the beginning or the top or the center of the of the, the the lead on this right it's actually like a cog in a, in, a, in an odd shape right it's not in the center it's not it's not the first thing what's actually really that the machine is made up of is many other points which are all these agencies and all these private vested interests. And individuals, you know, politicians and whoever, right? So what you're really looking for is that that Twitter is the machine that spits out the prize, right? And you keep you've got to keep pulling the handle until the, until the, the the cogs lock in and you get a full house or whatever it is on the machine and you get some payout, right? So in, if you if you were literally only wanted to look for Bernie, yeah, sure, you type in Bernie Sanders. Yes. Right?
1: Like, wait, stop. I, I do. So this ins- is. I, I don't. I don't understand why this is so difficult. I don't need it explained why his priorities were different than mine. I have not argued that my priorities are better than my, his, yeah, yeah, than okay. his, or anything, right? But if you're making claims as he has done about all of the things that exist in the Twitter files, and you're only searching about one more narrow subject—a very legitimate subject, a great subject—hats off to the subject, right? You can—if I have a hundred thousand documents, ninety thousand documents. And I, after like poking around a little bit, I see, oh, there's this really important story about one employee named Bob who is harassing everybody else at the company. I'm making up a whole new fact pattern, obviously, because I don't know what's in the Twitter files. Yeah, okay. But if I am like, I do a quick search, I find Bob, I find this really intricate, interesting story about how he's been having like the mass harassment campaign at a company and choose to pursue that. That's great. That's perfectly legitimate. But I can't then go to the media and say, look, the only story here, is that Bob is harassing everybody, and if someone comes up to me and say, "Hey, actually, I have some friends who worked at the company that said there's also this this other thing where Sarah has been stealing money at the company," and I say, "I don't think that's been happening. All I all I've been seeing is that Bob is harassing people." Well, if I haven't searched for anything but Bob harassment, I can't weigh in on what's going on with Sarah. So I'm not saying it was bad to search Bob. I'm not saying. It's not more important to search Bob than than Sarah. That harassment isn't more important than embezzlement. But you just can't make that claim. That's all I'm saying. And he has, in fact, made these claims about the broader of all goings on in the Twitter files, when he has made a perfectly reasonable, maybe even advisable choice to focus on the intelligence stuff to the exclusion of other searches. So you Um, might not be surprised that he's not searching for Bernie because you know that he's searching for this other thing. Well, you know that because people have asked him the question and he's finally revealed that he's like, that has come out in drips and drabs. But that is not the impression that's been given. I'm sorry.
4: I spoke to Matt Taibbi myself and I asked him, um, have you looked for COVID? Have you looked for Assange? Have you looked for about two or three other things? And he told me, yes, 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 no. And he said um, that, the, that, he basically said, yeah, we've got, loads, we've got loads of stuff, right? And it's going to take time for, the, for us to come out with each, with each story. So, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's not yeah. specifically looked for the thing you want. So I, that's why I was suggesting that I reckon, you know, it's just worthwhile getting a list of the things you, you're interested in and emailing all of the guys who, are, who have reported anything about the Twitter files because all of them have got a degree of access. And I reckon that one of those might well pick it up. I mean, Berenson, I don't rate Berenson at all, but he's obviously had a bit of a go at it from a COVID-ish perspective, I think. You know, and I don't know if he, what he's doing now. There's, a, there's about six or seven other people. I can't remember all the names now, but it might be worth just pinging it off. Because if it is literally that what what they do is, I mean, obviously if one of the guys goes, oh, yeah, okay, Brown and Joy Gray's interested in this, but I don't want to do the processing of it. He might literally just get give you a load of stuff and say, as long as you're willing to sign this um, working patent agreement, you can have a look at forty thousand emails and you could get a load of good content for your own show. I mean, I
1: mean that's fine, but like, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't. I think it's patronizing to be honest. I'm I literally don't want to dictate the terms to Matt or Aaron. They're they they're allowed to do what they want to do. Like, I'm really. Like, no, I, I, I don't understand why exciting. this is so difficult. Like, I'm literally not making demands. I'm not telling them that their choices are wrong. And I'm not interested in dictating to other journalists who are better journalists than I, who have like great instincts, what I think they should be searching for. I'm not really interested in that. All I want is more clarity and for it to be more widely known that some of the presumptions about what is and isn't in the Twitter files and what the Twitter files do or do not show are not really accurate because to your point, certain things just haven't been searched yet and other things have been searched but not really investigated because there's a lot of information and they're under-resourced. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. This is not imputing Matt or any of his choices or any of the reporting. And I also, frankly, I don't want to go email Aaron. Hey, Aaron, guess what I think that you should do in the Twitter files? It's patronizing. I don't want to do that. If Aaron listens to the interview or if Matt reflects on our interview and says, you know what, that is an interesting area of expertise. I would obviously love that. But like, that's not what this is about. They can choose to interview to investigate what they want to investigate. All I want them to do is be a little bit more clear about what they are and aren't looking into. That's but it. Then,
4: okay, but then in a way what you're asking for, as I put, understand it, is that independent of any other questions, you're literally asking people involved in the Twitter files to sort of effectively proactively declare the, the, the search terms that they, that they have submitted. And by and and therefore, you get the negative as well, because you know that those or that these other all or, or other words have not been submitted.
1: No, I'm I mean, not asking them to give me a list of search, although frankly, I think that 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 claim, the claim that if I disclose the the exact search terms and that would somehow be a vulnerability to me, I think is overstated and kind of silly. um but even if I believe that even if you think that that's true, you can just say like all I did was did you search for stuff related to Bernie? no. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to indict Matt for that, but like, to me, that was very surprising given the claims that had been made about how there's not, there's no, that he didn't really come across any bias against the left. Moreover, by the way, he's reported on certain instances of bias against the left. He has reported on it and and he still sometimes says, he said it in the interview with me, that there's almost no, like I basically haven't seen any bias against the left.
4: No, he, but in his in his congressional statements today and under questioning today, he said repeatedly, "No, we're looking at the DHS unequivocally targeting age, um, accounts that are both left and right. It's indiscriminate. Some of these methods that he's seen are, are totally." Um, a- affecting the the left. I can't remember okay, i guess I guess now. I just made it
1: up that he said repeatedly that most of the bias is against the right. I guess I hallucinated that when he said it on my I podcast and it, when he we said it on a Congress bunch of other podcasts.
4: There examples of left and right, and which is why Look, uh, he said uh, that No that one's disputing that, Gator. The problem
1: right. is he says that sometimes and then he'll go somewhere else and say repeatedly that the bias is against the right. He you know he has. He just said it on my podcast on Monday. Like I feel like you guys are gaslighting me. Look, look, you guys are making a bigger deal of this. Like you're, you're forcing me well, to look, criticize not, Matt I'm for like not, an well, hour because okay, so you won't just admit it. Just okay, admit. Okay, yeah, he could be a little bit more clear, and then we could all move
4: on. Look, hang on. All, all I've done is I have asked you. Well, okay, if you are interested in specific things, I reckon some of these people might, with access, might be able to, 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 to have a look at it. Right. They might be, but they might not be. I don't have access to Elon Musk. If you do,
1: shout out to him. But I don't have access to Elon Musk, and I've explained to you why I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to dictate search terms to another journalist who I respect.
4: Okay, but I, I tried to, I, as an average guy, got in touch with Matt Taibbi and directly asked him on David Sirota's show, "Have you looked for some of the things that I'm interested in?" I, I found out, I found out directly from Matt. Matt was willing to engage with me, right? Elon Musk answers tweets directly from anyone if you're lucky, you know, so I tell you what, why don't you tell me what you're interested in and I'll try and tweet Elon Musk and all of these other people and see if I can get them. And at least you're not doing it. I am.
1: Uh, Okay. I mean, all right. But I I think you're really misunderstanding me and I don't know how to say it any clearer. So I think we're just at an impasse.
4: Well the only thing I'm asking You you're you're is interested because... in
1: actually getting the search results, which yeah, would yeah. be great. But I'm not I'm more interested in clarifying what they're choosing to do now and what well, the limited scope done, of it, it is.
4: Do, but so why, I'm not
1: interested. I'm, my ask of Matt Taibbi is not search for what I want to do. do what do what I want to do? Have my priorities? He's busy. He's obviously overextended. That
4: point over and over again, and that's why I thought, well, okay, maybe there's another way for for your curiosity about this to be. Satisfied, but no, look, he's busy. Suggestion. Like,
1: here's the thing: as much as I'm getting heat for like being a hard on Matt, I'm trying to actually respect the fact that he is overwhelmed. He's yeah, obviously I'm, I'm saying, overwhelmed.
4: Um, yeah, but also that's my point: is that there are other journalists involved with access not just him and he said as as he uh, put out originally if there's any people who are interested in getting involved who have the credentials that he's willing to accept then there's scope
1: for people other
4: people to be okay. involved in help I, I don't this know theme. what you
1: want I don't know what you want from me I'm telling you I'm not I don't feel comfortable doing what you're asking me to do so there again all of these conversations that you guys often blame you. me at being pedantic and why won't you just drop cuz the person that's arguing with me won't just drop it I've been but very clear about my position. A practical suggestion that
4: if no, a I, I hear your suggestion. Them, I understand why you're asking you it, and I don't to want to do it
1: for the reasons that I have articulated. I think very clearly.
3: Okay. okay. I don't want to dictate to, to, to s-
1: another journalist whom I respect to investigate my search terms. I don't need that. I don't want that. If that's what you want to do, I respect your choice to do that. God bless. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't- but you're dictating to me what to do, and I feel disrespected I'm by it. But wait I'm a minute. And so you. now you want me to turn around and dictate to these these journalists who I, I respect what to do. I've been
4: asking you questions about, Could would this be of interest to you? Would that be useful? Okay, and I'm
1: telling what, you, no, no I don't know how many dictating. ways I can say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know what yeah, to tell you. So when
4: we agree that I'm not dictating anything to you, I'm offering suggestion because I was thinking... No, okay, and I've rejected
1: that suggestion. Do you want to suggest yeah. it again, or do you want to move on?
4: No, I just I just think that dictating, I'm not dictating anything. I was trying to be pragmatic about making a suggestion that might have worked and been interesting. how? Okay,
1: and I'm telling you, that's not my priority. And I feel like, can, can you articulate, can you demonstrate to me that you've been listening to what I've been saying by explaining back to me what I've been saying about why it is that my primary interest is not changing their search terms, but something in the alternative?
4: Yeah, you were curious about whether certain topics had been covered. So you asked... No. Asked nope, already ID, no. And he said no, which basically gave an indication that his um, statements about evidence that the left has not been targeted might be in question because if you don't actively look for the degree of left targeting, how can that really be okay, yes. a certain statement? Yes. Okay? Yes. Um, and that was, you know, obviously to some extent, I think it's implied that you're a little bit disappointed because you go, well, that's something I'm personally interested in seeing, but Bernie-ish stuff being an example. Well, yeah, but, but also more I importantly than what I'm...
1: This, this, this is the piece... Uh, Yes, I do have an, a curiosity Similar in this. Stuff. I'm genuinely interested in that stuff. But even outside of my curiosity, my my primary issue is that I think that he's misrepresenting what he does know by adding, putting it into a context that he does not have. And I think it's, it's making him vulnerable, I'm sorry, to the exact line of questioning that he got today at these Twitter hearings. Because all those triggered Dems, they weren't triggered by some specific email about Yoel Roth and all of that, they were triggered by the idea that this has become a kind of talking point, like it has bolstered broader right-wing talking points about how the right is under attack by overwhelming liberals in every part of government and at Disneyland and in drag shows and that this shows that the real persecuted minority in, in the country is conservatives and this is part of that mission. So now the Democrats are going to try to poke holes in it and they see Taibbi as part of that, which is I think unfair to Taibbi's project. You know, and I, and I get that these people are going to come after Taibbi regardless, no matter what, but that doesn't mean you don't frame your issues in a way that lend, make, you, make them most defensible. Even if the bad faith actor is going to be the bad faith actor, that doesn't mean you just walk into, you know, even if people are going to call Bernie names and say you're just a dirty communist and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't mean that he still shouldn't be careful about how he frames his approach to insulate himself from the worst of the attacks.
3: And I think okay. it's, I just honestly,
1: I think it's a little, it's a little, it's, it's like genuinely inaccurate and kind of sloppy. And it undermines the, the project. So that's, that's my advice. Take it or leave it. I, but I'm not in control of anybody and I'm not, I'm not seeking to be. And frankly, I'm, I'm at this point uncomfortable with how long we've stayed on it. Cause I actually don't have some huge gripe with Matt Taibbi. My, my, the, this is so protracted because a very simple point. People are so defensive about it that it becomes a longer conversation than it needs to be.
4: I'm not defense about anything it's not my none of this is my agenda the The only thing I took away from your interview was that so much of the time was spent seemingly repeating the same question effect yeah for the same the, reason we've Matt. been going on
1: for twenty minutes
4: yeah, but you seem to be so fervent about questioning Matt repeatedly from different directions on this essentially one thing. Yes, but it struck me as being unusual because you because I would have thought, well, okay. That's a bit of a shame. I thought there was more things that could have been covered, and therefore I got Okay, to think, well, I'm sorry. When you okay, interview Matt you, you can ask him about what you want to
1: ask him about. I'm so to sorry see if you that. You can get a-
4: something that you're interested in, that's all. <laughs> but, you know, okay, obviously I've made the suggestion and you reject it. That's fine.
1: Okay. I'm okay.
4: Cheers. I appreciate it. Take care.
1: All right. Take care, Gator. Keep the faith. All right, Andy. What's on your mind tonight?
5: Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay. Um. So, I haven't every. I feel like every time I talk to you, I keep saying that I haven't read the book yet that you suggested to read. Um. By Nathan. And um. I still have it on my to do list. But <laughs> <laughs> I still do. But there was one. That I was reading another book on like before you even suggested this book the second time. I was reading another um book on socialism that my friend suggested. And there was this one chapter and so like we're debating it this whole time and there was this one chapter when i'm like the author like whoever the author is or like you know whoever is saying this like we were we were so much on the same page and it was like the the chapter on banking right Mm -hmm. and so it's basically the basic social the basic socialist understanding of how like banking money finances or or whatever is um biased towards like you know private entities and rich people and yada yada and like based on based on the fact that 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 like underrides our entire economy and i was so much in like basically every sentence every paragraph i agreed with especially because it like it matched my exact interpretation of mm-hmm. when i like took macro econ and so from there i was like okay i'm a socialist like that's I finally came around to identifying as a socialist and I identify as a market socialist now. I'm still gonna read the book though. But <laughs> <laughs> um uh besides that, what I that's just an update. The what I wanted to talk to you about was um Marian Williamson. And I don't wanna project like I feel like this is more of an internal struggle I have than like some broader. Um, critique of the left or critique of like, you know, um, or like some assessment of whether or not this would make Marianne Williamson's um, candidacy more viable. But I've noticed that from, it feels like, to me, that when I look at Bernie 2016, Bernie 2020, or like, you know, Bernie 2016, AOC 2018, Bernie 2020, um, Nina Turner and then Marion Williamson. Mm-hmm. It feels like when Mar- Marion Williamson gave her um, like announcement speech or whatever. One of the first videos that she put out when she was running, she listed like her policy, like not not the whole thing obviously, but like you know, a quick thing of her main policies, which was like you know t- t- tuition free college, Medicare for all, yada mm-hmm. yada, like the, the the main and fifteen dollar minimum wage, the main things. And it just to me. I don't want to project. So, like, to me, as someone who is very interested in policy, it, it feels weird to me that from 2016 to 2023, there has been no change in, like, the ordering and, like, prioritization of, like, you know, progressive-slash-socialist policies and what we run on, right? So, like, do you notice that? Is there, is, is there anything there? Do you see anything to that?
1: Well, what changes... What changes would you want or what changes would you expect like have the first, problems changed
5: so have the problems we solved
1: changed. medicare or healthcare? or
5: no so the problems haven't changed right but like it it's more of like an uh, like a, a greater observation that so i'm not i do have specific like critiques because obviously my like my vision isn't exactly that but mm-hmm. the broader critique is like isn't it a little weird that, not, like, there hasn't been any evolution or any, like, you know, stated evolution on any one of those policies or the order? So, for instance, one example I could give is, like, um, like, the PRO Act, right? Mm-hmm. Like, unions have become so much more popular. Why why hasn't, you know, this, this isn't, it's not really about this one specific thing, but why hasn't that, like, say, replaced... Fifteen dollar minimum wage in like the in the five policies that you that that you've you've stated right and it's not specifically about that maybe um the product doesn't rate as highly uh, it doesn't poll as high or whatever and but like why is it that from that period of time we've had like this massive we've had inflation we've had um all these problems and yet and you know we've had like a broader discussion and expansion of what it means to be a left person on the left like you know there's this observation that they're I don't don't know which Scandinavian country it is but one of them or many of them don't have a minimum wage and like they're still they still have like they still have a high unionization rate and that's why they can have high wages like after all of this discussion and yada yada that we've had like nothing it, it feels like it's still it's still the same five things that we're we're going and it's we're not we're not um tweaking or changing any of them for the times you know what i mean i I just
1: but what about the times has changed help me understand in four years like i'm sorry
5: okay for instance one one way one one thing like for instance fifteen dollar minimum wage very simply and this isn't about this this isn't about this exact policy, but one example could be: Why is it not twenty dollars minimum wage? Okay, so, that,
1: so that one I agree, but I don't I think that's like a matter of degree than changing what we're talking about. Like, but I agree, it should be like twenty five dollars minimum wage for for sure. Yeah,
5: so, so my broader critique is: Why hasn't anything? It feels like why hasn't anything changed? You know what I mean? Like, why is it all like? Why have the, each of the five the ordering like of the? But what is the order? I don't understand. First of all, there's no
1: set order. There's no order.
5: no one's like like, oh my
1: gosh you printed out your flyer marianne and you put medicare for all second and 15 first and you know that that's not the right order you gotta rejigger them i I mean there's no order
5: when i'm saying ordering i mean like so you know how you know how like you only have so much words you can say in one breath and Uh you usually pick like five policies and then some don't make the cut in the one breath right even though you still support them right that's what i mean by ordering so like what's being let so but like, well, have- what, what is
1: the issue that's more important that people should be ordering above, let's say Medicare for all, if that's still considered to be the top of the list?
5: Um, maybe not Medicare. I, I personally wouldn't take Medicare for all off the list, but let's uh, say maybe Pro Act above $15 minimum wage.
1: Okay. Uh, I don't think I wouldn't do that because no one knows what the fuck the Pro Act is. <laughs> Sorry. If I go out of my apartment right now, and ask a hundred people what the pro it? act in is. General, maybe general, one of like, them will know.
5: Okay, okay what and about that, and that,
1: that's not you an argument it? for not talking about it. I think that everyone should, yeah, start talking about stuff like that in the context of their campaigns and outside of them. But like me, if I were advising a candidate, would not tell them, "Hey, just to spice it up in this new season, let's have some new themes, introduce some new characters." It's not a TV show, you know, like we talk about those issues as priorities because those are people's priorities and that's what is affecting people's lives and people have been arguing that Bernie Sanders, message is stale. He's been saying the same thing for 40 years and Bernie get a new tune, but the reason that everybody fell in love with him in 2016 and the reason that people have so much confidence in him as a human being with integrity is because he's been talking about these things when it was popular, when it was unpopular, because those are the things that have persistently mattered to people for 40 years longer okay. obviously but that's how long he's been around in politics you know
5: true but in in the case of like so in 2016 also i don't have like a like a like you know exact curriculisa- or, um you know I, I don't remember exactly what happened in 2016 or like the ordering of these things but from what i remember like the big innovation that bernie did was talking about medicare for all and like tuition-free college and like college debt cancellation in 2016 And I think AOC came in with Green New Deal 2018. And since then, there has been no additions of, like, the main, like, left wing since, like, it feels like there's been no, like, main innovation. So, for instance, um, Andrew Yang comes in with UBI in 2020, right? There's, like, it feels like there's been a lack of creativity or, I don't want to say creativity, but, like, you know, no one, no one's, tr- no one's coming in with new energy, a new problem that they want to solve or whatever. And we need new problems into- now. We don't, we don't got enough problems. Why say new problem? I mean, like, okay, for instance, crime. Like, crime is a big thing. We need to solve crime, like with with anti poverty measures. Like, this is my answer to crime or whatever. Like, no one's, no one's coming in with. It feels like to me that no one's coming in with a new approach. And 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 the thing is. I'm not trying to say that this is like you know doing what I say is going to make it more viable. I'm just trying to voice like my own opinion and like seeing how you how you would analyze it or whatever. So if if, if it's the case that you think that you know it's fine how it is, then I guess that's the case, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you need to be responsive to things that happen, you know. And people are. When things come up, you respond to it. Marianne Williamson has been talking a lot about the cop city. That's new because we didn't used to have cop city, and now we have cop city, and it's wild. Like, you know, and people are protesting, and people are counter-protesting, and Fox News is having a field day, and people are going to have to come up with messaging about stuff like that. And Democrats and leftists need to have messaging on crime that doesn't make people feel like we're indifferent to people who are victimized in crime ridden communities at the, and at the same time that it's not driving a carceral system and pretending that throwing money at cops does anything to reduce the crime rate. Like all of these things are true, but that's not new issues or even, that's not like a new pitch. You know, crime has always been there too. And Bernie yeah. had a criminal justice policy. Bernie wanted to end cash bail. Bernie wanted to fully fund a public defender program, but Bernie wanted to do a bunch of other things that I can't remember now because it's been four years. You know?
5: Yeah. So I, they- I,
1: I I don't know. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, people's number one issue is still health care. And so Marianne should not, all, or anybody, you know, leftists shouldn't stop talking about, I think, the issues that are most important to people because there's some sense that it needs to be novel. People don't... Pe- the tragedy is that people's problems are the same decade to decade because no one does anything about it.
5: Yeah, I agree. You know? um, And uh, the other day, I, I remember applying to somebody and I just, in passing, like I saw it and I'm like, this is absurd, which was like, you know, why, why are you drawing so much attention to Brayne Williamson and this like, can't presidential run, you know, because f electoral politics and you know unions or whatever and like to me is it, that argument falls apart when Marion unionism can honestly be at every single well not she can't actually be but be, be at union rallies you know what i mean like i don't see how it takes away from one of each other just like to sort of back you up on that point i don't understand Yeah, it
1: doesn't it's an absurd talking point to get clicks and to drive content and it's anti-solidaristic and it's really ugly but you know if people want to do that you know do it fine doesn't affect me it doesn't affect Marianne it's unfortunate because it fractures a movement but yeah, I know people have their priorities
5: and I can tell that you've been leave had a week and I just want to say that like I'm still I'm still waiting on a project from you where you can wind down and just talk about sci-fi
1: I'm telling you what I'm about to just bust the fuck out of here <laughs> I'm about to just leave in a
5: second
1: <laughs> I, I'm about to just leave I'm about to leave, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here until I'm not.
5: <laughs> All right. Well, have a nice have a nice day. It was nice. Thanks, You too. Take care. Keep the faith.
1: Wait. I think I was on the top, the front, right now. I'm hopping around. This is one of my skipping rounds. So let me skip the do da. This is Tracy or Trace.
6: Hello. Hello. How do you say your name? Trace.
1: Trace. How you doing, Trace?
6: Good. I'm good. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to... uh, So I'm from like a small town and a lot of my family members are really conservative. So I get a lot of practice, like uh, trying to convince them to uh, move left on their views. Mm. And like, so I just saw this article in the New York Times. And I feel like this is a, a big win for like, you know convincing the rural white uh, conservative America that Medicare for all is where we want to be. And it's like uh, basically rural hospitals all over the country are shutting down their maternity wards. Mm. And this actually happened in my community. And um, basically like the community shut down or the, the hospital like shut down the maternity ward. And like a few months later they started having like robotic surgery things being installed or something. I don't for know. For birth? No, 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 no. Just for like, you know, random like there's this robotic surgery thing, I guess they're they're I don't know. These comp hospitals are trying to uh install nowadays. There it's just like for like random surgeries, whatever. It's I, I don't know. I feel like it's just a ploy to get people to like <laughs> I, I really, I really have no idea. I, I really have no idea what, what the purpose is. Maybe they mm. like prevent more infection or whatever, but like, I don't know. I just, I just saw that. And like, now you can't have a, you can't have a baby in this hospital, but you can get a robot to do your surgery. And mm. you know, I just feel like it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a really obvious point where like Medicare for all would, yeah, just, you know.
1: Well, to the last caller's point, I will say this, like, if you want a little flavor and to mix it up and you're tired of just saying Medicare for all, I mean, I think that coming up with examples that really help people to understand the urgency of the crisis is of course good. And talking about what you're talking about, I mean, maternity war, like how can you claim to be a, like a populist hero? You know, if you are, you know, this, this is battle between obviously right populism and left populism going right now. You know, what is the right populist solution for people who can't even give birth you know they want to they want to bring the birth rate up and they're despairing about the declining white population and all of yeah, this yeah. okay where then my baby's going to be born exactly
6: <laughs> like it's literally like it's it's like 45 minutes to the nearest hospital like if you live between the two hospitals that are closest it's like 45 minute drive and it's like it, it just i don't know it just makes no sense and it's clearly yeah. like it obviously there are a lot of complications that have been giving birth and it's not something that makes money but you know yeah kind of gotta have it so yeah i don't know it's yeah that's
1: that's a really i mean that's a great i don't want to just refer to it as an anecdote it's real people in real lives but that's a great um i guess problem to zero in on i mean being at the Hahnemann hospital a closure protest in philadelphia a few years ago the stories were so moving and it's so horrible that something like that would happen. I mean the estimates on how many more deaths were going to happen because there would be no urban hospital anymore and it was such an important trauma center. So people where the minutes really matter because of gunshot wounds and things like that, they're just now going to die now because there's no proximate hospital. You can't put a price tag on something like that, but the venture capital fund that bought the building and turned it into condo sure did.
6: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's just like – I mean it's just – you can't you can't leave something up to – up to the capitalists and the corporations when it comes to something so important. And it's just, it's, it seems like it should be so obvious, but people just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, thanks for calling, calling in with that. I remember when Bernie, Bernie for a while was talking a lot about the um, community health centers uh, that he had gotten like a lot of funding for with um, of all people, Uh, Jim Clyburn it was this rural hospital funding initiative Um, and I always wish during the campaign I mean Clyburn was taking all these hits at Bernie and I wish that he had Bernie had done the thing where he kind of wrapped his arm around Clyburn (laughs) and like forced him to take credit for this thing they had done together to you know diffuse some of the antagonism that was coming from him um, but that yeah i agree that that kind of thing is exactly the kind of thing you want to be able to run on and focus on and amplify because it shows you know your 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 money is where your mouth is and that you've been fighting for rural communities and there are black rural communities and white rural communities and it you know you're not some urban elite that's flying yeah. in from the east coast and you know that you get it yeah
6: I, I just i just feel like people don't realize how actually like heavily subsidized rural America is and it, it would just it just I don't know. I wish they, they understood more that the only reason they're able to live to like the way they live in the place they live is because of how heavily subsidized living in rural America is. Because obviously th- there wouldn't be any hospitals, there wouldn't be any roads, there wouldn't be anything if the government yeah. wasn't it. so. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thanks for that, Trace. Yeah, thank you. Alright, keep the faith. David, what's on your mind tonight?
7: Hello. Hello. Oh, wow. <laughs> Made it to the front. Uh, I, uh, I just want to say, uh, just because you've been so stressed out, I totally get what your point with Taivi is.
1: <laughs> I mean, thanks. It sounds nice. I, uh, you don't even have to agree with my point, but it sounds no, right. it's I, good to I, hear I, that someone at least understands no, my point.
7: <laughs> I, I totally get you. The only thing I will say about it is, is like that other guy said, um, I'm not surprised that he didn't look. Because like, if you know his writing, if you know the, sh- the shit he cares about, mm-hmm. as soon as he saw that, oh, the State Department's got a thing, you knew he was going to go there and he was going to... And I get what you're saying. He should be more clear and he's not. And well, whatever. He is who he is. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but something one of the callers said, I was going to talk about something else, but then I just want to say the guy who was really concerned that there would be no innovation <laughs> if there were a bunch of... Uh, employee-owned companies around, right? If we had a kind of quasi-socialism, because now workers actually own through cooperatives or ESOPs, employee stock ownership plans. Their mm-hmm. company. It's like he, he seems to be, re- like you said, really caught up in the propaganda of where does innovation come from? And what I'll just say to him is read, start reading Mariana Mazzucato's books about the entrepreneurial state. And like like you said about pharmaceuticals, we sp- there's all this state money spent on pharmaceuticals. The innovation does not come from the private sector necessarily. The innovation comes from anybody who's got a good idea. Like I'm sure there's innovation in the big farmer cooperatives. Like if you buy uh, Land Lakes, right? Land mm. lakes it's all a big giant farmer co-op. I mean, I'm sure they're innovating over there, doing something, right? He seems and I'm to sure- be really concerned. <laughs> yeah we won't have that but it's
1: not true and and i'm sure there's i mean think of all of the innovation that's not happening because people aren't able to get a good public school education and they're never even able to have access to you know the the story of bill gates is you know his parent or whatever happened to be have access to one of the like 10 computers his school had access to the 10 computers in the entire country because he went to some rich prep school yeah you know, it's it's access an opportunity, and think of how like our, the human capital is being wasted in this country.
7: When you and when you stop and think of of all the like, from I'm a real dork about the, the the Apollo program, like and Mariana Mazzucato talked about it a lot in her books. But I was even before I read her stuff. All that innovation happened through the government. You know what I mean? Like everything that came out of there, all the innovation that happened in the private sector, but part funded by the government in World War II. All the innovation, mm-hmm. you know, the Internet came from the government. It came from DDT,
1: the Agent See, Orange. Agent, <laughs> oh, just right, kidding.
7: That innovation. So there's this good innovation <laughs> and there's evil innovation. And so his concern about there being innova- innovation is totally misplaced. He just doesn't understand where innovation actually comes from.
1: Yeah, well, I think he clarified at the end, you know, in Jam's Defense, I think that he was, you know, actually more concerned about, you know, just having a – vision like being able to articulate to people and paint a picture of how the dynamics shift because we've been so kind of indoctrinated that there's some some inherent value to the current system
7: right Um, and that and that's what that's what really got me to change what i was going to mention is this happens to be something i'm really interested in um and uh the employee ownership thing um There is a region in Italy centered around the city of Bologna, the Emilia-Romana region, has the highest density of cooperatives in the world. Mm. 30% of the GDP of this region is produced in cooperatives. So here, I happen to, I live in DC, I work in, uh, in the Small Business Administration. And whenever I'm going around talking to local county people or whatever, and I talk about this because our agency could potentially help some of this happen, but we haven't yeah. been doing much of it. Um, I, I say that to people, I go, just imagine if Montgomery County or, or PG or Fairfax County, imagine if this region of these five counties around us, 30% of the GDP was produced by cooperatives. And so to, to jam, He was talking about, we we haven't been able to really picture how our lives would be different. What's the society? Say, okay, so let yourself daydream and just let yourself think, wow, what if half of the people who work for a living were employee owners? And 30% of the GDP of the five counties surrounding the District of Columbia and the District of Columbia was produced by people who are worker owners. What does that do to the social dynamics? Well, profits stay local. Mm-hmm. that that alone. That right there is, mm-hmm. like you know. When I, and I, I find myself in conversations with economic development people in different counties. And every night, no, you know, the, everybody's got their blinders, they got their lane, they got the thing they're care they're caring about. And I'm trying to get them to care maybe a little bit about something else. And I and if I can get them to slow down and really try to paint a picture, and I get them thinking, I thought, like, oh, what what would Montgomery County look like? What would Fairfax County look mm-hmm. like? If this, uh, can you imagine, you know, that's, you wouldn't that's, have to beg, you, you yeah. wouldn't have to beg Amazon to come.
1: Right. Walmart.
7: <laughs> yeah. It's such
1: an interesting perspective too, because I mean, that's an interesting lesson for leftists who are like, you know, <laughs> running around saying, oh, why don't you read Richard Wolf? He's talking about these Italian uh, co-ops and he is, and you should, but also, you know, being in the position you're in to be able to say, okay, you're, we're doing community planning. I'm from the small business association you know are you, do you are you having an issue keeping profits local here's a plan like you lead with the yeah. desired outcome as opposed to selling them on a kind of reconfiguration of markets you know
7: oh yeah i never i never talk about my proto quasi socialist leanings right <laughs> I, like i'm sitting here talking to business owners and by the way i talked to a lot of them way out in Loudon county Uh, Because I know you live in D.C. You might know where that is, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, Loudoun County, or I get out there into the real western parts of Fairfax.
3: Mm -hmm.
7: All right. The accents change once you get past, you know, Mm -hmm. once you get uh, past the Tyson's Corner, the accent actually changes. And, And I'm talking to these small business owners, and I know we have conversations. I know they're voting red. I know they're voting Republican. I know they're worried about this and that. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking to them in their language about business.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: And, and I'm talking about – and I I start saying this, and they all love it. Which yeah. brings me to the other thing that I wanted to bring up was going back to your conversation with that dude, Vosh. Is that his name? Yeah. Bosch, Bosch.
1: Apparently, ago. I was pronouncing his name wrong the whole time, so I don't know that I'm the best authority on it. But Vosh? Uh, ba- 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 I don't know. Vosh? I don't know. Was, I'm sorry.
7: Whatever. So this So I wanted to call and just – some people were really upset that you talked to them and some people said like, Oh, you really held your own, but I wanted to commend you for doing it and hoping like maybe you bring more people on like that. Because one thing I've noticed is a lot of people do not know how to talk to the other side. And I'm being a little imprecise in saying the other side, because I know it's not monolithic. They don't know how to talk to someone who will agree about some stuff and not agree about some stuff. And and so my job is to talk to small business owners who are historically very conservative people. Small-c conservative, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
7: They they got to meet a payroll. They got they worry about stuff that a stereotypical liberal college educated person who works for someone else doesn't worry about. Right? And so mm-hmm. this Makes them a certain certain. This makes them think a certain way about government. About this, they have to worry about regulations. It costs them money. They have a small business. They have tiny profit margins. Mm -hmm. If you yell at that kind of person, or you just write them off and you say, "I don't want to talk to that person because they're just a right winger," you're like, "Yeah, that's a mistake." Because as it turns out, I'm this crazy lefty. Everybody I talk to (laughs) is, is, you know, is not
3: Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm.
7: And and by the way, if they're a black small business owner, they're gonna sound ver if you didn't know they were black, you would you would assume that the person who wrote that is white.
1: Yes, yeah, someone I think Imani Oakley was tweeting about this. There was some article, I think, or some study about um, black business owners and attitudes. And and there was some like good news in the survey. But also and I, I think I've talked with Tesla and on the show about this sometimes that you know progressives have to understand that there's a certain kind of entrepreneurial yeah. culture um, among black folks in particular, feeling like you're not going to make it within the system because of internalized racism. So the goal is to start one's own business and to do things on one's own. And the, the idea that you can capitalism your way out of this,
7: it has mm-hmm. a certain kind of um, yeah
1: hustle. I don't know. There's something um,
7: I almost revolutionary
1: it. about it that has a, a kind of a, a liberatory flavor Yeah. Among black people that gets missed by the left.
7: Yeah. I just I just read a a paper about that talking about uh, actually the title of the paper was uh, uh, race and ethnicity in the persistence and entrepreneurial persistence in immature ventures. And it was saying how black entrepreneurs will persist longer than Hispanic or white entrepreneurs. Part of it has to do because they feel they have fewer options in the job market. Mm -hmm. So they have a stronger drive. You know, it's it's just one paper and there are a couple of others that I've read about. I think about it in terms of my work because my work is to go help entrepreneurs. And there are a lot of black entrepreneurs in this part of the country, right? this Mm -hmm. is, you know, the giant black middle class that's been created in Prince George's and Montgomery counties and and to some degree in Northern Virginia as well. So, yes, there is this, and those people are going to be a little bit conservative. And if you don't know how to talk to them, so going back to the thing about you and Vosh, if you can't talk to them and see some part of what they see, you can't convince them. Because I, it's, I can't do this all the time, but if this comes up and I'm talking to a business owner, I say, well... Well, maybe, your term, maybe you wouldn't have such high cost in turning over your if you could keep your people longer. Oh, yeah, but people leave. They get a better job or they move to get benefits, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Okay, well, I mean, if we had Medicare for all, that'd solve your problem, wouldn't it? Right. That's Boom. such uh,
1: a key uh, selling
7: point. All of a sudden, I'm talking to this person who is saying the deficit, Medicare for all is social. Blah, blah blah All of a sudden, I'm talking to them in their language, and I'm saying, well, hey, a minute, man. We could reduce your costs right? Yeah. You don't have to worry about this. You don't lose these people that you, you spent money and time training, and now they went somewhere. How about you keep them here longer? Blah, blah, blah. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah, 100%. A, a awesome.
1: Yeah, I think that exact example came out on the Tesla and Figaro episode, or the last time she was on. And um, Yeah, I would have liked to have seen, I don't know what to say, like I would have liked to have seen more of that framing in the Bernie campaign, and I would like to see Look, I think of another progressive – I mean, obviously, Marianne's running, but at some point, not in the context of someone's literal campaign, mm-hmm. people need to be having these kinds of comms conversations and to come up with a strategy approach, a communication strategy yeah. that yes. is going to be appealing to these bro- – so there's the other caller who was like, uh, like, let's switch it up with new topics. Like, I don't agree with that, but I completely agree with the idea of framing things differently around those yes. same issues. Yeah, and having different messages for different contexts, and it bugs me because I feel like now I've, I've I've witnessed the corners of a couple of campaigns now, and it really is striking to me how little thought goes into it. These candidates just hop up and are like, I'm gonna just start talking.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and like, I understand that they've been politicians for years and it's not like literally brand new, but I'm like, you're on a national stage now. You're not just in Vermont. Like, and I'm sitting here. You're black. Press secretary, who had thoughts and feelings about how you could change things, I would I would listen to Bernie's speeches. I would stay late. I would be sitting there watching the TVs, and or or surrogates even, and they yeah. would say something, and I would think, "Ooh, that's a great way to put that," or mm, "I wouldn't put it that way," and I'd have all of these notes about, "Okay, everybody should be like." I learned from how well, you know, my, Michael Moore said something today. Or I learned from how, like, Rokon really phrased that bit well. Or, ooh, that didn't land so well. Maybe we wouldn't. And I would have all of these thoughts, and, and then I would see the same mistakes get repeated over and over again. And no that one reminds, would learn from the good messaging.
7: And it just me, feels so wasteful. It reminds me what you're saying there, you know, like when you said you're their black press secretary. It reminds me of a story I read a long time ago about Jesse Jackson. In the, it was back in the 80s on some campaign. Oh, this was for for Mondale in '84. I don't know where I read this in some, some longish article that was a kind of history, and it was before he got his whole Rainbow Coalition going. And he mm-hmm. went to the Mondale people, and he said, uh, basically, listen, you got to listen to me t- about this because that was a time of what they called the Reagan Democrats, the Democrats mm-hmm. who went for Reagan, and in big numbers, and that's why he won. Uh, and he, he he tries to to talk to them he tries to say listen you got to talk about this kitchen table stuff in this way and this way and this way and they wouldn't listen and they wouldn't listen cuz it's the same old people it's the same forgive me ivy league assholes
1: uh, i mean yeah
7: <laughs> it's the same ones and and at the end of it jesse jackson was somebody asked him hey, how did it go in those meetings and he goes ah those white boys just won't listen. That, that, <laughs> well, like he was well, frustrated because he's like yeah. they won't li- they won't hear it. We are good. He was telling them we're gonna lose the working class to the Republicans. Yeah, you- and, and and he was yeah. doing this in the eighties.
1: And the thing is, I don't I don't even pretend like I literally don't know anything. Like I don't pretend to have knowledge, but I'm I'm, I'm just observing. All I'm doing is I'm basically trying to do unofficial poll testing about what works. Yeah. I'm just listening. You know, and and Bernie is not like stuck up in that way. He's not oh, I'll listen to this person, but not this person. More Bernie's issue is that he only wants to listen to himself. Bernie's issue, and I understand it, is that a lot of people have been telling him to change in ways that are bad and not constructive his entire life. He has a little bit of what I like to call, and I love him too, but the Glenn Greenwald scenario, where so many people have tried to lead you wrong, to do you wrong over your life. And you've had so much success by sticking to your guns and trusting your own judgment. That it's very difficult for you sometimes to listen to other people right it's yes. like a kind of protective strategy and it, and it works to a certain extent but then everyone needs to listen to somebody sometimes and how do you figure out who to let in and who to trust and i think bernie just keeps the circle very small and sometimes that helps him and sometimes that works to his detriment
7: Then i don't care if it sounds ages but the guy's 80 come on
1: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah and you know old dog blah blah blah
7: yeah right He's not going to change it. So, you know, we just need like smarter people who know stuff. Now, last thing I'll say about, the, about you not knowing stuff and, and, and like that, you know plenty. But when it comes, at, look at who's in Congress. This is very interesting when you look at this. And I, I was first, I was thinking about it. I was tipped off to this in an interview I saw with Matt Stoller at the beginning of the pandemic. And I started thinking more and more about it. I think, look who gets into the House. Because the House is often the first stepping, toe, stepping stone into bigger politics, national politics. Go look at a typical Republican. Who is it? That's a small business owner. Mm. This is very common. Go look, De- go look at on the Democratic side. Not that any yes. of us here are Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but look, look at the other side. Who is it? It's a bunch of fucking lawyers. And it's all lawyers who went to some Ivy League law school or or Berkeley or something. Yeah. Right. And that's fine. Don't do Berkeley. Berkeley.
1: Some Ivy League law school or Berkeley. Well,
7: isn't Ivy League like Ivy League, like up there or, you know, what I mean is the Yeah, it's a T-14
1: school. It's just a hilarious aside. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead.
7: well I don't, I'm from California so I always think of that as like
1: the oh okay thing, I see you know? yeah, so, yeah sure
7: right so then right that like it, that's who it is it's all these same and in my in my less charitable moments, I refer to them as just the usual fucking social justice idiots because they don't know anything they don't yeah. know how to talk to a business owner yeah they do you know in the pandemic. I work in the D.C., only in the D.C. district area office, D.C. metro. There's 68 district offices, but I happen to work in the D.C. one. People were so desperate to get their COVID relief, the, the loans and things.
3: Mm-hmm. They were
7: trying to call headquarters, but they, there is no headquarters number, so they'd get our number. So I'd pick up the phone. I'd get somebody from Minnesota. I'd get a small business owner from Wisconsin and from Alabama. And, yeah, sure, I was jumping to conclusions based on the accent. I wasn't wrong, it turned out, because I got to know some of these people very well, and I'm still in touch with them. I helped them get their loan. Help them, all right, I did my job. And along the way, I realized I have to learn how to talk to these people. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? that, that's all you can do. <laughs> you know, I, I remember I used to love watching. Who's that, um, that kind of conservative guy who does the panels like the for, like, some cable network? Luntz, Frank Luntz.
3: Oh yeah,
1: he he kind of sucks, obviously. But um, I found I find that that format mm-hmm. so instructive. Like yeah. that's it. If, if I were ever running for office, I know that those surveys can be kind of expensive, mm-hmm. but yeah. I would be obsessed—not with polling per se, but yeah. of just getting random collections of people in the room and like talking to them. And yeah. on the Bernie campaign, we did this once with a session of people who were affiliated with. Um, Phil Agnew's group down in Florida, Dream Defenders. He's no longer, I think, with them. but, And we filmed it. And it was this amazing session, these young, like, black Florida students or recent graduates talking about their issues. And Bernie was just there to listen. Mm -hmm. Ask them questions. He interviewed these kids and they just talked and listened. And I thought to myself... The benefit of this is one, like, it's great content for the campaign and it shows how, you know, approachable and easy he is in these environments. But also, it's literally an opportunity for them to figure out how to talk to different kinds of people. And if I had had my druthers, the whole Hear the Burn podcast would have been me going around with Bernie on the campaign trail, setting up these little round tables and doing them over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Because they're good training for Bernie and they're good for content.
7: Yeah. There's a a whole range of – I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, just, just to say, I, 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 one other thing is that I, I I discovered very late in the campaign that the people who send out the texts, like the campaign text, mm-hmm. had all of this kind of like polling data because they had all this information about the kind of words and messaging that got the most responses, right? Right. And they were doing it so much and they had such a good, a high volume that they had a very clear idea of what worked, at least in terms of getting people to like respond and give donations and stuff. And this came out organically because I was like just chit chatting with the girl on the team, and she told me this, and I was like, "Wait a minute, can I see that? Can mm-hmm. I have access to that?" And she was like, mm, "I think there's rules." And it turns out like she wasn't supposed to show me some stuff, but she showed it to me anyway. And I'm like, "How are what? One- How is the like calm side of the campaign not privy to this stuff that's going on on like the d- donation side of the campaign?" Yeah. Like, how are we not sharing this? Why does nobody see this information as valuable? It, it's crazy-making. But I'm sorry, go ahead.
7: Uh, well, I, I was going to say that that um, that that focus group approach that Luntz does, um, and he's—I don't know if he's really uh, if he learned it from George Lakoff, the the linguist uh, who talks about framing and things like that. Mm. Um, but he that, but whether he learned it from him or learned it from somewhere else, that's what he's doing, and he's learning to talk to people in the thing that 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 will reach them and what I've discovered is that a lot of people who are easy to write off as just um, unchangeable crazy right wingers are totally changeable. Mm-hmm. There are many anecdotal examples. When Sanders went to West Virginia, the Trumpiest mm-hmm. country, co- county, and he said, hey, the government should pay for health care. And the audience clapped. Mm-hmm. They loved it. Right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking to a business owner and, and I start talking about why the deficit is not a big deal, because, you know, and I, I never say MMT. Yeah. I, say, well, no, no, I don't say it. I, what I say is, well, well, let's consider this for a minute. You know, you don't need to worry about the deficit and inflation. And I, what I'm doing is I'm telling them MMT without saying mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. but that's because I'm willing to engage with them I'm willing to talk to them I'm willing to learn something there are two things that really affected me also there's a there's a report that came out called hidden tribes and it organizes um, American popu- the American population into seven different kinds of tribes they 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 categorize them I pulled it up here on my computer they categorize them as Progressive activists, traditional liberals, passive liberals, the politically disengaged, that's the biggest group, by the way, according mm. to the study, moderates, traditional conservatives, and devoted conservatives. And so on the far left and far right are the devoted conservatives and the progressive activists, and then there's, that's 6% and 8%, and then everybody else is in the middle, and everybody has different concerns, and there's a way to talk to each one of them. Yeah. And some people you're never going to reach, right? I'm an atheist, lefty, <laughs> California, yeah. you know, person. And I, there's some devoted conservatives I'm never, ever going to reach. But they're going to like the fact that I was in the Army, some of them. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I have something in common them with them there. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm outing myself. I don't understand pronouns. I mean, I understand them. No,
1: no, no. I it, get it, you. Like, I mean, you really what like are you, like, an elder millennial?
7: Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm Gen X.
1: Okay. Oh Lord, God help you. See, no one even expects very much of you, David. (laughs) Just kidding.
7: (laughs) I was talking to a friend of mine, and and he was like, he was talking about he's a little younger than me. I was like, dude, I just I I cannot remember to tell people my pronouns. I'm never gonna get that right. But I have something, so I can't connect with the progressive young activists on that. The eight, that eight percent. But I got something else I can connect with them with, like, like maybe I can talk to them about worker ownership or something like that. There's always a way to reach someone, no matter how different they are from you, unless they're a Nazi, <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, look, Nazi.
1: I've had a former Nazi on the show, <laughs> and, and somebody connected with him at some point <laughs> and got him out of the got him <laughs> out of the skinheads.
7: Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I could, maybe I can't, I I don't know, but maybe that's my (laughs) limit, you know, (laughs) but I'm saying, okay, and so the way to do that is to learn stuff, so, and, and, you know, the audience, I'm sure everybody um, is busy, and you don't have a whole lot of time to go learn a whole bunch of new things, but if, you're, if, if your thing is talking about economics or talking about, let's like, say, what's the role of the government, like Jam was saying, what's the role mm-hmm. of the government? Okay, go read Mariana Mazzucato's books. She's got four out now. There's uh, The Entrepreneurial State that really lays it out, how entrepreneurship comes from the government because the government spends all this money on the basic research and blah, 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 right? And then The Mission Economy, that's another great book. And that she wrote and learn that stuff. And then when yeah, you I mean, look, a
1: topic, I, I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to be like the go read a book person. I don't love that. I mean, it's fine for people who are kind of like you can tell another podcaster to go read a book. But <laughs> I think the important thing is for those who are engaged in communications and their yeah, jobs or just because they care.
7: I don't mean you. I mean in the audience, the people. Like- no, no, I'm saying
1: the opposite. Actually, I think that I should probably read a book, but I, because I'm, I'm doing comms for a living. Oh, I
3: see. I see. I'm
1: saying, but that my job should be to understand it well enough and com- and learn from it well enough that I can communicate those ideas without having to tell people to go and read a book. I, I think but that's my job.
7: Maybe I'm just saying that it he- It has helped me in communicating with people. Who I know are going to be different from me, and I cannot. Yeah, but you're
1: in comms too.
7: <laughs> you
1: may not know it. You yeah, may not I think about yourself no, right. that way, I, but you are. Is,
7: I, I very consciously think of it as a rhetorical strategy. Yeah. What's, the, what's my rhetorical approach with this business owner? What's my rhetorical approach with uh, a veteran business owner? What's my rhetorical approach approach with a black business owner? Yeah. Uh, who's very religious or with yeah. a white business owner who's very religious. You know, I have a different rhetorical approach with each one, and I've ha- I've learned this by going out and kind of reading some stuff so that I know what I can say yeah, how I should say how I should frame things. And yeah, well, look, I
1: David, I've got to go because I'm, I'm yeah, going to wrap yeah. up, and we've been going for some time, and I'm not going past 11 because i got to close my rings. Um, cool. But this has been great chatting, and I want to get some people in. But this has been a really great chat. I hope you're calling again.
7: Will do. Thank you. Keep Thanks, faith. David. Keep the faith. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. All right, Neoliberal Tears. I haven't called you up in a while, even though I saw you elbow your way up onto the speakers. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, there you go. Um, well, you have figured out some hack where you, you figured out how to make yourself a host at the end. <laughs> Can you unmute know yourself, Neoliberal? What's on your mind?
8: Hey, bestie.
1: <laughs> how you doing, friend?
8: Yeah, this information out there, so... Uh, you know, about me and hacking allegations, I mean, (laughs) you know, all of that stuff. Let me join you up there. Here we go. Um, How are you doing that? As I said, the magic, um, (laughs) you know, the universe brings me up when it feels inspired and I accept Uh, and it's so good to see you. Oh my God. What's on your mind?
1: Um, okay. What's on my mind? Let me explain to Maggie what it means to close my rings. It's an Apple watch thing. I got an Apple Watch maybe like a month ago, and they have these things called activity rings. So it's three nested concentric rings, small to big. The smallest ring, you close it. if you, you get a notch closer to closing it if you stand up every hour of the day. So if you stand up for at least one minute in each hour for 12 hours, you close that middle ring, the center ring. The next ring out is an exercise ring. If you could do 30 minutes of exercise, you could close that ring. And the biggest ring, the hardest one to close is like, I don't know what they call it, but it's basically calories. Like how many calories are actually burning. And you can adjust all of these to what you want it to be or just keep the default settings that come when you put your age and like weight and height in. But yes, I am—I have been on a streak You want to close your rings every day to get this baseline physical activity. And I get really competitive and I'm linked together with my mom's watch and my best friend's watch. And if I see that they've closed their rings and I haven't, I get really pissy because I'm a Leo and I have a personality disorder. So that's what that is. It's me needing to exercise before midnight.
8: Yeah, guys, wasn't that terrifying? Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing, though. It shows you, like, what a warrior. It's why people like me have been advocating since the dawn of, as soon as Ryan Grimm took over Rising, I started posting in the comments that, like, guys, put Brie in the left chair now. She is our voice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and i have not stopped you know being a troll um you get you're just...
1: such a troll robbie like talks about you sometimes neoliberal tears what i he never like, even he...
8: talk about him anymore i called him once dollar general ronan farrow and he <laughs> stop!
1: hasn't <forgotten laughs> stop you I guys gotta it, leave so leave nice my man again. robbie alone you guys are t- <laughs> oh okay
8: okay you're Here's trying to give me a way to workplace harassment situation change. he has totally moved like he from the from the time you started on the show to now It's a complete difference i mean we've all seen it evolve over time at first it was like you know he thought that dunking on you might be a better look but he slowly realized that people were respecting you in the comments and (laughs) uh, no and really like and he has moved on some issues you know he knows how now how to pander to leftists it's not he doesn't coalesce liberal and leftist anymore you know when they had the libertarian person on he was he was trying to get her to say, "Okay," and you know, a lot of people, and you know, that are on Brie's side, really like the anti-war position. Why don't you talk about that? Like, he knows how to pander to us, and like, I don't know, <laughs> I like, I don't hate him at all. I think he's a person.
1: I'm. And- I'm so glad you hear that. I think we we've, we've learned a lot about each other, and we understand. We understand each other very well, and sometimes it's a, it's not enough to be seen, but it helps to be seen and understood, even if you don't agree. So. And
8: he respects you. Like he and he genuinely sometimes builds on your points when you guys team up, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I like him. it. I enjoy it. Look, the problem the problem slash joy of rising is that it's always been all fire signs. Robbie and I are both Leos. Ole is a Leo. I think Bati is an Aries. I think
8: what's it? Oh, Aries are fires?
1: Yes. And I think okay. Ryan Grimm is also an Aries. Kim is definitely an Aries. And I think somebody's a Sagittarian. All the fire signs are represented, but it's only fire Sorry, signs.
8: I'm a fire, I'm an Aries, and I don't like hearing that Ryan is. It's <laughs> kind of like when Harry Potter found out he might be a Slytherin. Ugh, like, no, disengage. What is about. a
1: Ryan? Neoliberal ne- series. Okay. All right. <laughs> can I get to my question? Okay.
8: Sorry, guys. I'm not taking over. I promise so I'll hang up and shut up after this. Um... <laughs> So this is coming from a place of love, respect, and admiration for you and everything you're doing. Um, that's not how I want to start this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm scared. Uh, oh, my God. Like, what am I going to land now? No, I'm kidding. I was going to come up. I was going to put myself for sacrifice as, for everybody, for the class, as the good faith Marianne critic. Okay. And just because, and to be, but to, I come in totally good faith and I wanted yeah, to put a well, little This is totally up.
1: fine.
8: Yeah. I don't volunteer for any party any organization anyone like i don't work for anyone i'm just a nobody person with with uh, i'm a i'm a lefty i'm a i could describe myself as a gay person who loves the view anyone who asks (laughs) so that's all i am okay i come in good faith i promise like i'm not i just don't want to be beat up on because you're too talented okay i'm I'm not going to beat up on you i i I
1: promise i know i've i've been going off on a I'm good. I'm centered. You centered me. I'm ready to engage in good faith and calmness. Hit me.
8: Um, okay. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I want to be excited. Here's how I'll put it. The first time I, cause I love electoralism. And the first time I was brave enough to call into your show, it was when, like, historians looking back (laughs) will dig up this episode. Um, But it was when CJ and the the RBN people were on, and Mm -hmm. CJ was, like, saying, I'm never going to support anyone running in the Democratic Party ever again. And you were like, really, under any circumstance? And he was like, under any circumstance. And I I got tickled because I was like, ooh, I know what to do now. Like, cause I kind of, I, my major was linguistics and mm-hmm. I think I love comms. And I was like, I know what to say. So I was, I called in and I said, well, how about if Kshama Sawant primaryed to Pramila Jayapal,
3: mm-hmm. like,
8: and she like Trojan horse, the democratic party, but mm-hmm. like totally ran against them, said, all of them are a piece of shit. I'm running against this party. Mm-hmm. Like did like a JD Vance, what what mm-hmm. he did in Ohio, the establishment endorsed another candidate mm-hmm. and like he basically said, I'm running to f- against all of these assholes and Pramila is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And would you not support that? And he was like, oh, of course. I mean, I will support that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes when people are saying I'm never voting democratic again, like what they're really saying is I donated before I volunteered before I canvassed before mm-hmm. and I can get excited. It's just the, the, the politician isn't meeting me where I'm at right now. So mm-hmm. all of what I'm trying to do is just use the Marianne campaign. I'm not trying to dunk on her. I'm not trying to tear her down. That is not my issue. But like her position on Israel-Palestine in a two-state solution, I think, is offensive
3: mm-hmm. and
8: would, in any campaign that is about highlighting lefty issues and putting them front and center, I'm worried... That it isn't that negative, that it would set us backwards because people like Jill Stein were brave enough to go on Fox News and Tucker Carlson and say that Israel is an apartheid state in 2016.
3: Mm-hmm. And
8: I want to get excited about progressive candidates, but if people, I, I remember when Morgan Harper was on your show, mm-hmm. she was running on Medicare for all and a $15 wage. And I really wanted to like her, but it felt like if you're not running against the establishment and you're not meeting the last thing i'll say is there was a poll that said that mo- most uh like 56 percent of people under 30 um, view israel unfavorably mm-hmm. so marianne is not even meeting the moment and the in the palestinian justice movement movement where she should and if she was a smart enough politician she would i know other so many people have talked to her right like, and that, yeah. No, No no
1: no look i think okay. the reality is i don't think it's like i think it's ideological I think it's ideological. She, she just feels how she feels about it. I, I am, I'm, I'm personally, I'm done arguing with her about it. And trust me, I have argued with her about it at length. What's so funny to me is like this accusation that, Oh, I have a personal relationship with Marianne. And so therefore I'm softer on her. Actually, it's like more difficult. I mean, like I, our relationship has been rocky as a consequence of the fact that I'm actually having these arguments with her in real time constantly. And she knows, and I respect that she's very open about it. She's willing to like really scrap it up and then have a drink. I mean, it gets kind of intense sometimes. And like, I, I have made several pitches to her on this stuff. I've explained to her, especially with the Ukraine stuff that like, not only is it the right position to take, but also I think it would be beneficial to you politically to try to occupy this lane at this moment of being anti-war and or anti-Ukraine war specifically. I mean, cause she's, I think she's anti-war, but specifically on that issue. And it has to do with, I mean, I don't want to speak about things that are spoken about in communists but like, I think she has her ideological reasons for feeling about whether she feels about those things. And I don't agree with them. I've advocated. I've, I suggested she talk to Aaron Mate and she said that she will, and hopefully he'll do a better job explaining than I can because he's more knowledgeable, you know, i don't know i mean i just you know katie i know she i tell her to talk to katie and katie has talked to her about the israel piece and everyone's doing their best but you know and, and, no and, one and can and control wanna... her so that is what it is
8: and so, you're amazing like this isn't on you i'm not saying
1: no like, no, no. I, so I, everyone... I i completely i for all that everyone tells me me that i'm pushing people on Marianne, i haven't told a single person to vote over Marianne williamson or give her a dime so, if, if, if me not saying, Oh, I think Marianne is a harpy bitch is me like pushing Marianne, I don't know what to tell you. Like, people have to make up their own decisions. I haven't told a single person to vote for Marianne. All I've, all I've told you is how I analyze the political and situation.
8: Point, and you made a good point. Can you tell, can I, can I show you how much I'm open to, I'm, I mean, dying to be persuaded here? No, I'm is, not trying to, I'm not even no, trying to persuade anybody. No, no, you're not. Uh You're not. Um, uh-huh. no, you're not. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, um, there is, there's a speech that Marianne could give that mm-hmm. goes along something like, I'm running to abolish the CIA. Mm-hmm. I'm running to, because, uh, let me use a construction metaphor like AOC. The walls are falling down around. Mm-hmm. Everything is falling apart around us. There is no reforming the system. Everybody here is complicit in Congress and I'm running to gut out. Did like, you, the, did
1: you listen to her announcement speech? Yes. 'Cause it was literally that. It was extremely adversarial. She called out all of DC. She used the word corruption about eighty-two times. It was it was a really good now, you cannot like her and you cannot like her policy positions and you can think that a good speech isn't good enough for your support. But it was a very adversarial, very good opening speech that that demonstrated a real willingness to come for Washington. Like it it just was good. And I saw a couple of leftist channels like reviewing it and they were kind of silent because they knew they wanted to drag it but didn't really know how to. And their, their biggest complaint was like, she didn't call out Biden specifically. And like nobody talks about other candidates in their announcement speech because then it becomes all about the other candidate. So like, this is like, you have to get like, I don't see the point of not giving credit where credit's due. It was a great speech. And I think all the criticisms about her foreign policy, especially with Israel are 100% legitimate. But that being the case, in a Democratic primary, do you want to sit it out entirely? Completely legitimate. I'm casting no judgment. I'm just describing the options. You can sit it out entirely.
8: That's what okay. I was saying um, was a persuadable uh, argument to me because like you're voting in a like the primary. Like, it's, it's a primary. primary. not a general. So if anything, you're just influencing the Democratic Party or encouraging it yep. to move in. Yep. The it's event. like
1: entryism. Like I'm, really, I don't. So I haven't voted Democrat since Obama, so I'm, odds are I'm not going to vote Democrat in 2024, right? But
3: yeah.
1: if I have the option to to wiggle my way into the Democratic Party and make the choices that I want the Democratic Party to make, I exactly. don't really see why I would give up that opportunity. But hey, if if you not you, but if some people think that it like cost them a pound of flesh or their soul is tarred. Or it will, if they go and they pull the lever for Marianne, it will take away an hour of their life that they could have spent organizing and it was better to do the organizing. I respect that decision and I'm not interested in trying to argue with anybody about that. No one's going to accuse me of trying to talk anybody into anything. As much as they try and as much as people try to paint me with some weird broad brush, I have never once in my life. Told anyone to vote for Marianne. I've explained why I would vote for Marianne in a primary, assuming that someone else doesn't get in the race and all those other things. But I've never right, tried to convince anybody out. else of a damn thing. And I tweet, I when someone it. when the view says something nasty about Marianne that's untrue, of course I'm gonna say something about it because it's news and it's untrue. You know? Yeah, but that like that's on not on me caping for anybody. That's like it's disgusting. I, the view is disgusting. What do you want I saw people, it's like the people who were cheering for Debbie Wasserman Schultz today because they like, hate um, to Matt Taibbi that much. There were leftists that were like, W. W. Marshall just dunked on Matt Taibbi. That's ridiculous. And there's some leftists that, frankly, are like cheering on Whoopi Goldberg because they hate Marianne and they sound whack.
8: <laughs> no one who knows the history of The View should ever cheer for Whoopi Goldberg after what she did to Barbara. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, she didn't, she refused to let Barbara moderate. Even on her last days, Barbara begged her. Aloha, I love
1: them. that of all Whoopi's crimes, you're like, she did ba- Barbara Walters wrong <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Barbara, it was her
8: show. She created it from the ground. She got Whoopi hired. And then Whoopi is like, fuck you you made fun of me for messing up the teleprompter <laughs> i'm never letting you moderate you know Warby the power Goldberg, of moderating
1: whoopi goldberg's out here apologizing for mel gibson's anti-semitism treating bernie like shit doing blackface but neoliberal tears is like and what she did okay now, Barbara let's, let's, not, let's,
8: not, let's not prioritize okay i'm not doing like a top 10 okay this isn't mojo i'm not oh my god like i'm just thinking uh, about the, the moments that have made me reflect okay i'm i'm (laughs) yeah that's so funny but like look i think i i'm sort of seeing it as i have no problem trojan horsing the democrat or the republican party or the libertarian Mm -hmm. party or any party really whatever if you want to weaponize getting on the ballot get on the ballot but like i think what people like me are arguing is that i'm i'm because of because of Like you said something on Rising, like that Bernie and Trump had a certain inkling for, like even Trump is saying, I'm going to resolve the Ukraine-Russia war in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm going to piece it out in a day. (laughs) Does anyone believe that? Of course, fucking not. But right now, Marianne is running to the right of Trump on Mm -hmm. that. And it feels out of step with the... You, I agree. So I, I I I want so I wanted to say that sometimes people are saying, I'll never vote Democrat, but what they're really saying is the politician isn't meeting me. And they showed me this. I agree.
1: Are. And I'm not gonna tell anybody like if your line in the sand is Israel, Palestine or Ukraine, I, I respect that. You know? I think it's also though, worth putting into perspective that Bernie was bad on those things. Bernie said he agreed with Biden on foreign policy in Ukraine. He wasn't, you know, Marianne on Israel Palace. I mean, Marianne's, okay, her specific position is a little mm, all over the place there. But, like, there were things that Bernie wouldn't say anything about Assange, right? And yeah. Marianne will. Marianne has had, like, telethons with Crystal and everybody, uh, free Assange things, and has gone to protest and has been very vocal about stuff like that. So for someone else, Assange was their line in the sand and they wouldn't have supported Bernie. So it's not, I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm just pointing out that I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy here in some places. Well, your line is your line. Your issue is your issue, and I respect that. But for somebody else, they didn't want to vote for Bernie because he wasn't for reparations, and Marianne is. And like, people just have to come to those decisions by themselves. The only thing I object to, I think, is people pretending that or, or, or characterizing Marianne as, like, worth less having no good position. Like people are saying things like, what good is it having her on the debate stage if see if she agrees with Biden on Ukraine and Israel? And I'm like, I think it would be really valuable if she didn't agree with him on those things, especially given what's going on in the world. However, don't sit here and act like on Medicare for all and a wealth tax on Julian Assange on these other really important issues, cop city. She isn't radically to Biden's left and therefore useful in a debate context. To um, highlight the contrast. What, one other thing I'll say to that is that I saw someone talking about Act Blue earlier. If you want to run as a Democrat, you have to use Act Blue. Stop looking for conspiracies when there aren't any. It just is what it is. It's literally, you're not allowed to run unless you use Act Blue. And two, there, there's this other thing about is she or is she not saying that she's going to do a dirty break? You can interpret the clips how you want to interpret them. I think that she has come closer than anybody who's ever run as a Democrat for saying in advance that they would do it, but she obviously cannot say. That she'll do it, or she will not, in fact, be allowed on the debate stage. There are literally rules in the DNC. They were were debating this today on one of those cable shows. There
8: there is a pledge. If you you don't
1: declare your. I'm sorry?
8: The Republican Party is doing the same right now. You have to sign a pledge. You have to sign a
1: pledge. Exactly. So, like, okay, if you want her to say she's going to do it, so then her campaign dies tomorrow, and there's not even the benefit of her having the messaging value in debates, okay, fine. But, like,
8: no, but there's a world where she can articulate that to people who are skeptical.
1: What do you mean? You want you want her to call up RBN privately and tell them off the record that I'm gonna do a dirty break? I didn't
8: say that. Oh my god.
1: This okay, maybe I she think. should. I don't know, man. But like, it seems know. very obvious to me why she can't say it on the record. Obviously,
8: no, I'm not RBN. I don't. <laughs> I'm. Yeah, I. Uh, I get them you know. wondering if there is a pitch that Marianne could uh, think about to a disaffected Bernie voter who might be, I get the, in terms of a tangible difference, like, so So we're making the case that like, having a, shifting the conversation in the primary context on the debate stage is is a useful, worthwhile effort. And talking about Medicare for all and a wealth tax, Elizabeth Warren did that too. Like she she talked, you yeah. know. Yeah, look, she, I can't stand Elizabeth Not Warren, like but, like, but I think no, the world, I'm
1: sorry, I think the world, in if, if, a world where Bernie wasn't running and Elizabeth Warren, it's Elizabeth Warren and the rest of those assholes on the stage last time around. Yes, the world is better. The debate stage was better because Elizabeth Warren was on it. Of course, I can't stand her.
8: She nuked Michael Bloomberg, yeah, but, uh, and you know she was, she she had to move to the left because of uh, the base that she was courting, you know, and that was a good thing. Um, we want politicians to move to the left. Yeah. Um, I think I think, I'm. So outside of the debate, um, what else are tangible benefits to a Marianne or anybody run like a left run? Like, a, let's say Elizabeth Warren is like, we know she's ambitious. She's probably thinking about it right now. Like, if well, she's Warren not going to cross Biden. The, well. I, I mean if like, I'm, I'm sure she's thinking about how to trip him down the stairs well if he like, oh, well, well. well if he if like, he
1: weren't well, to run or something but then like, i can see hypothetically,
8: that because i think she's a lot this is actually a great example like we can talk about her like we were to like if she enters the discourse and runs on a wealth tax and medicare for all uh-huh. um you know like do we do we support her because it's over biden and do we overcome the snake emoji thing
1: i, I think like, it's a good thing for her to be in it Again, am I donating to Elizabeth Warren? No. Am I taking yeah. time out of my day to knock doors for Elizabeth Warren? No. Do I think the world is better where there's not just Biden running alone in a primary or say Biden doesn't run Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar racing against each other in a primary? Do I prefer it if if um, Mary, uh, sorry, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren is in it? Yes. This just isn't that hard for me. I don't know. I I don't know. I just feel like I live in a world where everyone's doing black and white thinking, and if I say anything even vaguely nuanced, there's like 15 arrows in my back. Yes, there are ways you can benefit. Marianne already in the last week has been on TV giving a bunch of interviews where she said the words Medicare for all and $15 minimum wage for the first time in four years on any of these cable news channels. And maybe you think that's a really small thing, and maybe it's not bringing us Medicare for all, and it's not changing the world but would I rather live in a world where there is at least one mention of those policies on a cable news show or a local news show instead of zero yes obviously it's better than not and it costs me nothing and I don't understand why I would be rooting against that I just don't get it the only one it costs is Marianne and like y'all are determined to make her suffer for it god bless like I don't know what you get out of that but (laughs) If you want to make it even more difficult for her to run, then God bless. But like, I, she's doing me a, a service, I feel like, by getting my issues out there. Not all the issues, not the all the times the way I want, but she's obviously doing me a service, so I feel like the very least I can do is not kick her while she's down. I don't know. That's how I feel. You guys can feel however you want to feel about it. If if you think, I mean, you mentioned neoliberal. Te- you're on mute, by the way. I, you're, I don't know if you're trying to talk and respond or... If, If you're intentionally on mute.
8: Oh, I was letting you, um, yeah, just, um, yeah.
1: um, I'm bringing Chris into it because he said he only had a three minute thing and I'm going to have to pop off soon. And, um, and Bobby was in the front. So I'm just going to, oh shit. Sorry. I just next to Chris by accident. Where'd you go, Chris? Come back up and I'll bring you up with neoliberal and we'll have a little like group chat. Um, Sorry, Chris. Where'd you go? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um but I mean neoliberal, you said you mentioned that you thought that she might have a net negative, And I'd be interested to know what that looks like or you know, because I'm I'm open to that. I, if there's something I'm missing I, I have, that she could actually set the movement back.
8: Yeah, it it's just it's a personal one for me. Um and it's if she talked I mean her position on Israel-Palestine is that apartheid should exist, and a two-state solution mm-hmm. should exist. And you know, my counter to that is: Would you have a two-state solution in New York where people are segregated by their religion?
1: Ooh, honey, the way I've had this conversation with her. <laughs> I'm,
8: I'm, 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 I'm just telling you from my. I, yeah. I have. I'm. I. I think it's hypocritical to advocate for reparations and ethnic cleansing in another country, like, Honey, I mean, the I, way
1: I, I have had this literal conversation, the way I have sensitive and tried to be like Marianne, like, I'm not unsensitive, insensitive to the historical reasons why you feel a certain way, the generational reasons that you feel the way you do. But I'm a black woman in America. And I'm sensitive to it for that reason. And I can't I can't wrap my brain around me thinking that the solution to my people's problems in America, not to say that they're perfectly analogous, or I'm not trying to do false comparisons or anything like that. But like, that should i just black people just shouldn't live with white people we should get our own state what happens to the people who already live in that state do we just get texas like what's the deal (laughs) you know like how does this play out for you like i have literally had that conversation with her like at length (laughs) so like i don't need like i completely get it and i agree and i understand But, like, people just have to make their independent – and and I understand that specifically Palestinians have been thrown under the bus specifically routinely by the left. Like, I get all of that. So I respect people's decisions about how they want to use their vote. Like, I get it.
8: J Street um, just took Katie Porter to Netanyahu – sorry, Katie took took, um, Katie Porter on a trip to meet Netanyahu, and it's an organization that Marianne has also had on her show and I've listened to. And – I, I might be the only one and I want to be, and I will always be respectful. I think she should run. I totally, like if someone asked me like, you know, oh, so you think she shouldn't run? Of course I think she should. She totally should. Mm -hmm. We we need everybody too, on Mm -hmm. every, every leftist on every party line. That's, of course. But Mm -hmm. like, I just think that if you're moving the conversation backwards on the Israel-Palestine issue when 56% of Americans, total Americans. No, no, no. I thought you
1: said 56% under 30 that's not the under same 30, thing. I gotta say, under is
8: of Americans. No, I, right. I, I, I meant to say the same thing. Like, 5, yeah, six percent of under thirty um, Americans in total, the young people, yeah. are on the, view Israel
1: unfavorably. Right, but that's not, that that that's not that's not the are... majority of it. Look, I, I right. maybe so, you okay. think that I'm, she's gonna like convince the young people to not support Palestine anymore, but I think that if anything, even with her position being what it is, she's still to the left of most Americans regrettably, on that issue, regrettably, I still think she's to the left of most Americans, and that is what it is. I I mean, I don't know. It just is what, I I don't mean, in no way I'm dismissive of it, and I think if that's your issue, I respect why that's the case, and I respect you not wanting to support her in any way. Like, I completely get that. But, you know, here we are, and it's, you know, here we are, and one's options are, it's a primary, one's options are, vote for Marianne, vote for Biden, stay at home. For now. In a primary. And then you can do whatever the hell you want in the general. But that's how, that's what it is. Take your poison. What did you have to say, Chris? Oh, where'd you go? Did Chris next himself? Chris, come on, my friend. (laughs) Uh, And Bobby, feel free to weigh in whenever. Hey, um... I was not even
7: wanting to talk about any of that stuff.
1: Um, okay, you can – well, let me see. Chris, I don't understand, Chris. I've, like, invited you up, like, 15 times. Um, well, I don't understand why you are not saying yes. Um, but what did you want to – I have to go. Okay, sorry. Bye, bye Chris. So what did you want to talk about, Bobby? Well, I, hey, if you need to go, it's all good. Okay, you don't want to just throw something out real quick? Like in uh, a minute? Yep, yeah, I probably don't have enough time for that so yeah it's all good okay alright well I appreciate you being conscientious and kind of self aware about that <sighs> thank you everybody neoliberal thank you for um, you know engaging on this I, I, I'm i completely in agreement with you and I completely respect whatever you choose to do you know I get it I wish that we weren't in this place maybe Marianne will be moved by Aaron Maybe she'll be moved by Katie. I'll tell you one thing about Marianne. She's not afraid to talk to folks. You know, so if you have somebody else that you think that she should talk to or something you think she should read, let me know and I'm happy to try to pass it on. I'm I'm hopeful that this conversation with Aaron will go well because I think, I think it's more likely that she'd move on that one, to be honest. Um, but maybe he'll talk to her about Israel too. I mean, maybe, you know. Maybe, you know, he has some degree of authority and maybe he can speak to her as a fellow Jewish person in a way that I can't, like, you know, that's not really my lane. Um, but uh, my fingers are crossed. Again, thank you all for, like, a really stimulating conversation. You're terrific. I will see you probably on Monday. I'm recording two episodes tomorrow. Um, don't be mad. One of them is with Rokana, So I don't know if that's going to be on Monday or the following Thursday. But I gotta close my rings and psychologically prepare myself, um, for what I should ask him about. Feel free to drop suggestions about what you think the priorities are. And, uh, buckle up, kiddos. (laughs) Um, at me, right, right in the, right in the, um, I'm gonna post this episode. And I want you to write, no, actually don't do that on Twitter because y'all are going to tag him in it and you're going to scare him away and it's going to be a whole thing. In in the Patreon, under the most recent episode, leave comments and questions for Rokana Khanna. All right. Thanks, guys. Keep the faith. I
0: wish I had a million dollars. <laughs> I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all a million outcomes. I wish I found a genie land. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beaver man yeah. I wish I was a comedian Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land I wish this well had water in it These kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth You can help me wish but I would rather wish the help us it's like, it's like I wish I wish and every time we drive in it feels just like this, like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we love it, it feels, like it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lime bead. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs That way I'd hold on to everything And laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things I wish I spoke fluent Spanish Dímelo, dímelo At least I kinda understand it Wish that I could throw the deuce like gambit And get so large I could play pool with the planets I wish I was an astronaut I wish I knew more classic rock. (laughs) <laughs> Focused on myself can't help you wish But I would rather wish over What the hell it's like I wish, I wish And every time we love it It feels just like this I wish, I wish Every time we do it It feels just like this I wish, I wish Every time we move it It feels just like, like this it's just, this is just this like this It's just like, like who the We would turn some dumb shit into something I got everybody while the gossip comes us assumptions, make a Why the fuck you? I'm a to so boot, this rock that's the mother loop One more stoop, but camera, jackets, no nobody, good time, it's a challenge for a hot lighting up the Looking for a hot about to start a dying yeah, I see beat it like a tom-tom Kicks like 808, kicks like 808 I ain't tryna say it again okay, okay.